So Candy and I were just having a great conversation, but we weren't pressing record because it was just normal conversation. But then we're like, this is getting good. We need to share it with the people. So anyways, I was talking about how my eyes are hazel, but my husband, Josh, who has green eyes, is certain that my eyes are brown. But I've started collecting proof of my eyes in different light where you can clearly see that they are hazel and there's a tint of green mm-hmm, to my mm-hmm. eyes. And anyways, um, oh, and then I was telling Candy about the story when I was going to the drivers or to the DMV and they asked me what my eye color was. And then I said, wait, this wasn't one of my own experiences. This was actually a story I had heard on John and Hank Green's podcast, which then reminded Candy of a podcast that I had sent her about John Green. Mm-hmm. And the I am a big fan of John Green, and I thought this podcast would woo Candy over to the John Green side. But apparently, I am now hearing for the first time, it did not have that effect. No. So the podcast, it was basically, I don't even know how we got to where we were, but John Green was just talking about his life and how he started off as, he was like, I'm going to become like a priest or something. And so he was working as like a chaplain or something at a hospital. And so he would just give people their final rites before they died, which like, wow, what a bummer. And he was talking about how this little boy came into the hospital and he was a burn victim and it was so grotesque and so bad. The doctors are just running out of the room, throwing up, convulsing. They're just like, it's disgusting. Like, I can't take it. And John Green's like, I don't want to finish this shift because I don't want to give this boy his final rights. Now, this is a true story. I believe that this happened. But then where I'm like, I feel like John Green is a liar is that after this event, he went home And then he never found out what happened to the little boy. And so for 20 years, he was just like, is the boy alive? Is the boy dead? Like Schrodinger's cat. And he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I don't Google if he's alive or not, then I'll never have to deal with the thing. And he's just like wrestling with this question for his whole life, apparently, for like a very long time. How long was it? Do you remember? 15, It was like probably 20 years or something. And he didn't bother to Google it. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And then he finally does. And then he finds the guy. And then they have this conversation on this podcast. And I'm just like, I believe that John Green was at the hospital and that this boy was there at the hospital. But I feel like he has lifted someone else's story or I, because like, who does that? Who's like, oh my God, I, I couldn't handle it and then he goes to the hospital the next day and he doesn't ask anyone nobody knows the boy just disappears he doesn't have any friends there he doesn't ask anyone about this he just leaves it completely uncovered for 20 years until he wants to do a podcast on it what i could i'm serious no that makes i think that makes total sense like i do like it is definitely like an extreme thing to do and kind of I don't know, but but I feel like John Green does kind of like extreme quirky things like that. And quirky isn't the right word, but I think he tries to make himself seem interesting. I think he is interesting. I don't think I'm falling mm. for a ruse. I think he actually is interesting. 
Mm-mm. People weigh in. Our our mother weigh in. <laughs> our listener podcast. <laughs> Who's on episode twenty of Elantris? <laughs> Mom, let me know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we I can I, link. We can link that podcast, and okay. we can see if we can get some Team John Green as a liar. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Well, Potter's helping Potter's. We're going to link to this really famous podcast that has millions of listeners and maybe they'll do the same to us after we send them to, <laughs> but they'll no. probably block us. They might. It'll be fine. Hey, I'm kind of worried that we're going to get canceled from the podcasting community because of all this hate on John Green, who is a beloved person and has done so much good for people and the world. And I'm a big John. What, Green fan. what has he done? Okay, Candy, you you got to know who that you can't be hating on these people you don't know. So <laughs> all I I mean, okay, I've read I've just read The Fault in Our Stars and I listened to this one podcast. He to me, like I watch a lot of reality TV, so I feel like I I'm always ready to sniff out the liars. <laughs> and he he to me just screams of someone that is either an embellisher or he lifts other people's memories and repurposes them as his own. Oh, I mean, these are very hot takes. This does make things very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I'm viewing- This all- is this is based on nothing. Just, just as a disclaimer, this is based on nothing other than I read the one book and I listened to the one podcast. Okay, yeah, that's, that, I, that, that's so, fair. So, I mean- There's I- no facts here. <laughs> <laughs> a disclaimer for everything we do not have a fact check because there are no facts <laughs> there's no facts don't I don't know anything it's just my intuition we're just reading a book but okay okay well I'm viewing all the John Green things through a lens of he and his brother started the crash course series which if you're not familiar is like this giant YouTube thing to teach people science and history and literature and it's all for free and so it's kind of like a free education oh, resource. Yeah. And so, and like schools use this all around the world. I don't know about the world, but like, it's very popular. Um, and well, they, that's nice. it is nice. And they were one of the first people on YouTube. And their first thing that they started was the vlog brothers where John and Hank Green are brothers. And then they decided they'd communicate with each other, like only through video for a year. It was something like that. So instead of calling each other, they would leave these little video messages and then they had to like respond to each other mm-hmm. on YouTube. And so they were kind of like the first, like mm-hmm. the OG YouTubers. And then that led to Crash Course. And then the, um, John was always a writer, I guess. And so then he published some really popular books. And now they're like super, like all their things have done really, really well. And they give a lot of their money away to some really awesome charities. And they started charities of their own. And they just seem like very giving, genuine, down-to-earth people. I mean, I don't know them. I'm kind of like, I'm recent on the John Green, John and Hank Green train, but they seem super awesome. I mean, you can be very generous and do a lot of good things and also maybe borrow people's stories. (laughs) Um, But all of those things do sound, all of those things. Things do sound very good and nothing on their Wikipedia says that he's ever fibbed, but I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for someone to crack the case, someone to just blow this whole thing open and then we'll find out. <laughs> you know, um, I, I do get taken the hot take. And so then if it's ever real, you're like, I knew it. That's my hot take I on knew it. an Elantris. 
So, oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so you're welcome to have your, I mean, I have some hot takes on Sanderson too, although they're actually not hot takes. I've looked online. A lot of people feel the same way. Oh, really? Um, I mean, you know, I really like Sanderson. I like his book. A lot of the not hot takes is that his prose, like his writing style is not the best. Mm. He self-admits. He's like, I don't write the best sentences. He's like, but I have a good like story and I have like a good plot. And he, and what he does is he adds kind of like a scientific element to fantasy, Mm -hmm. which is an, it's kind of a nice mixture because then because sometimes with fantasy it just goes off the walls and you're just like okay anything goes now uh yeah 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 i get that no his you know so yeah Mm -hmm. i get what you're saying i haven't noticed that yet but only and i think i think what repelled me the most about john green listening to the podcast is that he writes exactly as he speaks which was shocking to me because he writes for young children, young adults. So I wasn't expecting him to also speak like a young adult. Did you think he Novel. spoke like a young adult? Yes. I felt like he just sounded like a, he, he sounded exactly, it sounded like the fault in our stars was him just dictating and someone writing down. Right. And then doing some (laughs) post-editing. Yeah. Well, okay, okay. But when we were reading The Fault in Our Stars, we did talk about how no one talks like a teenager. So I don't know. Did The Fault in Our Stars sound like a young adult book? Because it does sound green. Yes. It's all the, oh, well, you know, so um, about like this. Oh, that's a lot of that type of filler words oh so that's what's making you think that I think it just reminded me so much of the book which I didn't enjoy and then I'm like here he is the person who birthed the book it's all making sense yeah I don't know I'm sorry I just I didn't like it and I think I just don't like him so I'm sorry it's okay it's okay I I've become a big John Green fan in the past few months. Yeah. So I I I don't agree and I might still send you things to try to convince you otherwise. I'm I'm open to being convinced, but just the just going back to it, the concept of cuz he's like every day I would think about that little boy and I would wonder if he was dead or alive and he's like I never I could never google it and then finally I was like I'm gonna google it I'm like you never googled it not one time in the 20 years when you were thinking about it no you didn't it was a big okay no mm -mm. nope mm -mm. and then he googles it and then he immediately like finds the guy I'm like no Mm -mm. I believe it nope Mm-mm. okay well do you have any hot takes you want to swap oh gosh hot take or hazel eyes i know my hazel eyes were my hot take i think i'm team of one yeah and no one can see this if two one team of two I- yeah that's true candy yeah i appreciate your support 
that really meant a lot. I'll tell Josh all about it. Yeah. Maybe he'll be convinced. And our listener, mom. And our listener, mom, knows what my eyes look like. And any other listeners, maybe we're just verbally convinced, even though they can't see my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they think we're a liar. (gasps) Oh, yeah. What do you think they think about us? Maybe my eyes are actually, what's the opposite of hazel? If someone's listening this far into Elantris, they must be able to tolerate us at a minimum. So I think they're kind of okay. (laughs) That's probably true. If they're this far. (laughs) Or maybe it's like a reality show where it's like, this is a train wreck, but you're like, I can't keep my eyes away. That could be, but you know what? I'll take any views I can get at this point. Yeah, that's true. So thank you everyone for listening. Welcome to episode 20, probably, of Elantris. 20,000. 20,000. Million billion. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Really sad, brief side story. I had rented, I got a whole library card when we started this podcast so I could get books for free and borrow them. And I got this book from the library and the library was so kind. And they said, we don't have any book finds anymore. And I said, wow, that's so great. Like making a library accessible, like, you know, for kids or whoever else, something happens, they can't pay their fines, they can still get books. I said, that's awesome. But now it's been like three months and I still have this book and I should really just buy it off Amazon at this point because we're only halfway through. And I'm kind of scared to go back to the library because I feel like even though there's no fines, they'll still know that I had this, I was holding onto this book for so long. And I could try to recheck it out, but what if I can't? I feel like as long as you're not getting additional books. That's fair. Because all it would be if you rechecked it out is you would walk back to the library check it out again I guess they might have like a waiting list right that's my fear what if someone wants to check this out and they're waiting for it to be returned it's just indefinitely out I mean if someone was waiting for three months on this book I think you can buy it on Amazon for like six dollars isn't that terrible that I haven't bought it for six (laughs) dollars that is kind of bad you know what you should do you should just get a used book no, I I do like used books, but also sometimes they come in and I'm like, Ugh, was this a bathroom book? toilet book? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're already using a public library book. I know you're right, but I got to see this one before I rented it and it looks very nice. Oh. Like sometimes you could get a used book and it looks very used, even if yeah. it's so gently used, you know? Yeah, I, I abuse books. I. I crack open the spine. I dog mark the ears. I highlight things. By the time I'm done with a book, it looks like it's been through like combat or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll look into that. But for now, All right. Well, are we going to get into it? Are we on chapter 24? Okay, yeah. All right. So welcome everybody. Chapter no, episode twenty thousand of Elantris. We are on yep. chapter twenty-four. Thank you for listening this far. <laughs> <laughs> Hi mom. <laughs> you probably left too. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna put this in here and not tell her and see <gasps> see if she gets here. Yeah, it'll be a little test. We'll have like a pre and post quiz of 
No, if it's a quiz, then she's really going to listen to it. We'll just say, oh, what did you think about episode 20 million? And she'll be like, oh, I thought it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Like our shout out. Okay. All right. Yes. So um, yeah, episode 20 million. We are on chapter 24. Okay. And we're at the very end of part one. No, at the very end of part two. And Mm -hmm. things are getting real juicy. Um, Last episode, we talked about the last like three ish chapters and all the stories are starting to intersect now. Um, So what's her face Mm -hmm. green has started her widow's trial and she's gone into Elantris and she's met Rayodin, but she doesn't know it's him. Um, And Harathan is having this whole internal struggle with, should I kill everyone? This seems wrong. What happened to my faith? And he had this whole run in with Omen on the Elantris wall. Um, And now Mm -hmm. chapter 24, we're picking back up with Harathan and we're back with his, internal conflict about what about his motives um and we're seeing more about our favorite guy Diloph who's harnessing a whole little army here yes this small tiny man as he's described he reminds me okay all of my references are Ted Lasso because that's the only show we're watching right now have you seen Ted oh, okay Lasso? yeah but only season one I think okay that's enough do you remember um Nathan was he one of the soccer people? He was the kit man who got all the uniforms together, but then became the assistant. Oh, okay. I'm going to Google it really quick. Okay. But it does sound familiar. Yeah. So Nathan was like this little short kid and everyone, you know, kind of treated him as a kid, but then he was like this super evil genius and like was a really good strategist or whatever. Um, And then he kind of like becomes a villain. And I think, and Diloph, whenever I imagine Diloph, I imagine Nathan Shelley. Oh, wow. He becomes a villain? Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't see that coming. Wow. Well, it's a good series. You should you should watch it. It's a good Okay. One. Okay. So, okay. So, yeah. So, if you haven't seen the part where Nathan may or may not become a little evil, it's less of a, it makes less sense for him to be Diloph. But at this moment, when I imagine Diloph, I'm imagining Nathan Shelley little man yeah underestimated he's just a tornado of hatred sometimes Mm, interesting okay I can see it Mm -hmm. I think that's good Mm -hmm. yeah because I was imagining more of like the lollipop guild (laughs) (laughs) the wizard of Oz yeah I don't know why it's a little munchkin (gasps) oh yeah have you looked that up recently yeah, because they're like, they're tiny people, but then they have this old person face, which is like the last time Prathen was like, wait a minute, you're not a kid, you're an old guy. It's like, <laughs> he's the first time he like looked at his face intently. And then he was realizing like, you're actually kind of old looking. <laughs> and that's how I, <laughs> that's how I feel like you think of like the lollipop girl, like you see him walking around and you're like, oh, look, it's a little child. And then you start looking at their face and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're old gosh (laughs) anyone who hasn't looked up the lollipop guild on google images should really look it up because it's that's not how i remember them looking they do look like they have an evil plan yeah they look like just little old men in tiny clothes yeah they they do okay so yes i think either those are really good pictures for what (laughs) diloff somewhere somewhere in between the two of those yeah somewhere somewhere between lollipop guild and nathan shelley <laughs> <laughs> there's d <D-Loth. laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so what we were talking about, Diloff, he's like creating his own little subcult right under Harathan's feet, I think is what you had said. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so we find out a lot about that in this chapter. Um, mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. chapter starts with Harathan and he's either on the Elantris wall or he, I think he's in Elantris, one of the two, but he's watching Serene feed the Elantrians, which is her whole widow's trial thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is no good because now she's ruining my whole plan of hating people turning against the Elantrians. Mm-hmm. And there is, okay, we were talking earlier about how some of like the critiques against Brandon Sanderson is that he doesn't have the best writing style. But I gotta yeah. say paragraph, it's like the third paragraph in chapter 24. I thought that was a stellar paragraph. There, All I right, read it. I know. Read it, girl. Oh, read it? Okay, okay. I had written down yeah. like three lines. And I'm like, oh, these are good lines. And it was the whole paragraph. I said, wow, good paragraph. Okay. Yeah. So Harathan's watching the Elantrians and says, Harathan watched with resignation as Elantris' monsters came placidly, refusing to ingest even a single guard let alone the princess. <laughs> Demons refused to perform, and he could see the disappointment in the crowd's faces. The princess's move had been masterful, castrating Harathan's devils with one sweep of the brutal scythe known as truth. Now that Serene's personal aristocrats had proven their courage by entering Elantris, pride would force the others to do so as well. Hatred of Elantris would evaporate, but people couldn't fear that which they pitied. Yes. So what I would say with Sanderson, so I, and I don't want to say I'm an expert, but I have read probably about 15 of his books at this point. So I've read a lot. And one of the reasons why I like Elantris the most is that to me, it feels the most well-written. And I think it's because this was his first big one. So the publisher came in and probably like really helped him out and was like, or maybe maybe this one was just the most well-written one of them all. And then the rest just kind of devolved a little bit. Um, but his other books just get bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter, which is a classic thing that you see with any kind of well-known writer. You see it with Harry Potter. You see it with any of like those series. It's like every book gets bigger and bigger because you get to a point where the author's like, Maybe the publisher would make the book a little more streamlined and easier to consume for the general population. But the author's like, I don't care. <laughs> my people my people will buy what I sell them. <laughs> and the people do. Yeah. And you're like, there's whole chapters that could have been cut out, but you're like, I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, like deleted scenes that were never deleted. Yeah. So I, I think that's, I think this is the best sampling that you could get of Sanderson's prose. Mm, okay. Mm, that's a good point. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. So either way though, um, Sanderson. But that was a great paragraph. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like it was funny. He mm-hmm. it was like deep, the brutal scythe known as truth. Whoa. That was good. Mm-hmm. Hatred would evaporate because people can't fear that which they pity. Whoa. Like he had a lot of truth bombs in there. I agree. I thought it was very good. Yeah. Okay. So did you finish your um, summary? I feel like you got distracted. No, that was pretty much the summary. Harathens has internal conflict and he realizes he learned some more things about Diloph. I didn't say which things. So we can get into that. Okay, cool. So I, I highlighted the same thing. 
the princess's move had been masterful, castrating Prathen's devils with a sweep of the brutal scythe known as truth. I thought that was a really good line. Is it scythe or sith? Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's sith. I looked it up the other day. What did I say? Scythe? Sith. Oh, I said sith? Sith. Okay. As I was reading the paragraph, I was like, there's a few words in here where I'm only like 85% sure on the pronunciation. Yeah. No. (laughs) But anyways, I think it was still good. Oh, one other thing for the beginning of the chapter. So I think this is mentioned Mm -hmm. in the last chapter, but we didn't talk about it in the last episode, but it's mentioned in in the first line of this chapter too. Um, It talks about how bright it is. And I feel like that's a literary move of like, we're kind of like in the noon of the story and like things are about to change, like sun's about to set on Iodin's kingdom or like the way things were. Oh my God. Who are you? Genius. No. <laughs> or it just means that they're all on the same day. Because <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> it's a perspective book. So it might just all be happening at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the clock struck six. Six oh five. Yeah, <laughs> just to let you know, it's the same. But I, I like your interpretation. I think there Sanderson loves symbolism, so I doubt that he would keep reiterating those types of things just, just for fun. So I think yeah. there probably is something to that. I, mean, I think there's something there. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I thought it was cool. Yeah, so the the other thing that wasn't covered in the summary and I thought was a funny scene in the book is that, so Duke Tellery, which is the guy that Rathen's been basically saying, I'll make you king if you sign up with me and convince other people to sign up. Tellery like comes up in a carriage and he's like, this isn't working, you're doing a bad job. Like, I don't think this is gonna work out anymore. And then Rathen's just like, it's gonna work don't worry about it it's fine and then there was something what did he say is it at the end of the interaction because that's a pretty hilarious scene I think he was pretty much just like yeah so he's basically just Tari's just like you're doing a bad job like I'm unimpressed. And Hrathen's like, I'm going to give you a lot of money. So much money that you'll be fine. And then Tellery was like, hmm, okay. And then Hrathen's like, I'm going to get all the nobility money too. And then the line that I wrote down is, this is Hrathen's internal monologue after. So he basically convinces Tellery, I'm going to give you money. And so leave me alone. I'm planning. So then he says to himself, yes, Tellery. Hrathen thought with an inward sigh. That's something you can understand, isn't it? If we can't convert the nobility, we can always just buy them. Yeah. Which I thought that was just funny, just imagining Kraven just being like, all right, whatever, I'm just going to buy you guys. And I'm (laughs) done trying to convert you. Who cares? We just got to get this project done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to bribe you guys. Okay, I wrote down that line too. Um, I thought it was interesting because like- I forget what's happened in previous chapters, but I feel like this has come up before of like Harathan talking about like, oh, we can just kind of like buy the nobility and like the idea of, okay, is truth actually a thing or is it just what people want to believe and can you buy truth with money or not? And it is interesting Mm -hmm. that like 
Harathan at least thinks that the nobility are swayed by money rather than truth. And it's interesting, mm-hmm. like, okay, does Harathan actually believe this is true? Like, you know, the whole, his whole religion, like, is that actually a true thing? Because you see that um, Omen, the other priest, he's like, will not be swayed by anything if, yeah, unless he's convinced that it's true. So it's just an interesting. Yeah. And I, I think it just kind of um, pokes at our own society and how it's like people, if there's money behind it, the media will say whatever they want. If you're getting paid to do it, an influencer will endorse that. What was it called? Did you ever hear of the, uh, wasn't skinny tea. It was, it was some kind of like skinny pop? basically it was skinny. No, it was basically some type of tea that all these influencers were peddling for a while. And it was supposed to like reduce bloating and do this and do that. And everyone's like, I drink it every day and I love it and use this code and you can buy it too. And apparently it gave everyone like explosive diarrhea. (gasps) (laughs) And the office ladies, Jenna Fisher just blew the top on this one because she was like, they asked me to do skinny tea and she's like, I only promote things that I've tried and I like. And so she's like, I tried it. And she's like, I feel so sick. And they're like, yeah, what's the problem? Now you're skinny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So I think just the idea that like people will pretend to have alliance, allegiances or beliefs in a lot of things. They're willing to compromise a lot. Yeah. not. For not anything more than a couple dollars. Mm, yeah, I think that's a good point. Which if someone would like us to peddle an ad here, perhaps even skinny tea, we are not above. <laughs> <laughs> we have not reached that level of wealth yet where we would turn down such an offer. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not quite there. So we too will peddle. I'm not above it. <laughs> a minute. So the, the other thing that I wrote down and I wrote down a note for myself and it only makes sense to me now is at the end of that scene, this was the funny part. Kelly's basically like, all right, Harathan, get the job done. All right. I'm going to go to my mansion. It's the other way. And Harathan's just like walking and I'm imagining it's like a hot day. And he's like, see you later. And he doesn't even, he says, my mansion is in that direction. Kelly said airily pointing down a side street you can walk the rest of the way to your chapel and he like speeds off (laughs) and this to me like struck a funny bone because when I was in college there was this guy and his name well I won't say it but he had a name okay (laughs) 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 because I was just gonna say his name I was just gonna blow him out of the water it was this guy and he was in my um program and he was like very like ripped macho guy. And I think he was just used to women just being really into that. But um, I didn't fall for it because I was like, he's kind of annoying. And he would always ask me for help with classes. And for some of the things I was like, I can't even help you with this. One of these classes, the professor would mail out the answers to the exam after the exam for you mm-hmm. to like study with but he would never change the exam. Oh. So then what happened is that one student takes the class, they get the answers, and then now everyone has the answers till the end of time. Oh my gosh. 
Okay. And I'm not condoning cheating by any means, but this class was not taught very well. And so sometimes necessary things have to happen. And (laughs) so this person had taken the class three times and I was like, he's like, can you help me? Can you help me? And I'm like, why can't you help yourself? (laughs) So anyway, um, this is a long story. He's taken the same class three times. Like he's been mailed the answer key. That's what I'm saying. Oh my gosh. I, like there, that's why I was like, I'm not into you because I'm like, you're too annoying to be into. <laughs> and so this was for, I don't know if it's for this class or a different one that we were taking, but he wanted my help. And I was walking back from campus towards my dorm and it was really hot. You're in South Florida. And I like had a cold or something. So I had like left school early walking back to my dorm and I felt like just total crap. And he pulls up and he's in like a car. And he's in the passenger side. He rolls down the window. He's like, hey, Candace. I'm like, and he's like, can you help me with like X, Y, and Z like later today? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. Like, I guess I can help you. And he's like, great. And then he just like speeds off in his car and he doesn't even offer me a ride. And I was just like, oh, I was like, I was like, okay, if you're going to use me for my brain, like at least give me the Uber ride to my dorm. It was like half a mile away. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is just like Duke Tellery. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So like I read that and I was like. <gasps> I feel your pain, happen. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. I've just been plotting to save the whole school with my brain. Spread the answers around. Anyway. Oh, oh my gosh, that's so funny. <sighs> well, what's even worse is that Trathan was in the carriage until we made him get out. Oh my god, I didn't even catch that. But I really like also your picture of <laughs> Rathen like jogging next because <laughs> <laughs> also he's in all of his armor at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can just tell that harappan hates tellery tellery has zero respect for harappan and i guess that's what you get when it's called tummy tea tummy tea tummy tea tea by tellery i bet tellery would endorse tummy tea we got him some extra yeah he would he threw his daughter in the trenches of elantris and never went back to look for her yeah Tellery would definitely endorse that. Yeah. Um, okay. So those were my notes there. Did you have any? You know, I think I think we covered it all. I do think though that if anyone put us in charge of making the major motion picture of Elantris, we have some really good ideas of who to cast for Diloff and also how to recreate this scene to make it yes. even better. <laughs> I I agree. So we need I to think- keep these notes. Lantris has a little bit of comedy in there. there Sanderson, yeah. he likes to laugh. I like it. He's funny. The All one right. thing that didn't make sense to me that I wrote down is that Prathen says, the princess had countered the wrong scheme. Iodin's throne would collapse even as she handed out food to the Elantrians, thinking herself clever for having foiled Prathen's plot. And I was like, this is confusing because at the beginning you're like, foiled my plot again that annoying princess and he's like eh this is just the side this is just the side piece I guess yeah so 
my question is like, what is the, what could she have countered that would be correct? Well, I think, so I think at this point, Hrathen doesn't know that Ayadin is going to stay on the throne, right? But we learned in the last chapter with Serene, I think, that Ayadin's going to stay on the throne and it's because Serene gave him some uh, money deal with her dad. Oh, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. Hrathen knows that yet, but I think that's a scheme because he's still telling Tellery that Tellery's going to be on top, even though Tellery's yeah. like, I heard the king actually has more money and Hrathen is like, impossible. Yeah, maybe he just said that here. Um, yeah, well, maybe he's just like, I'm just going to get you so much money that it doesn't even matter that yeah. he has these new deals. Yeah, yeah, so maybe that's what he means. That I would think, make sense. I think so. Yes, I think that's his main goal still is to get Tellery on the throne by all the nobles so they are converted and then stave off Jadid's wrath. Yeah, that would make sense. So, Yeah. All right, but there's some trouble brewing between Harathan and Telbury. I mean, their relationship was always pretty rocky. Yeah, yeah. You you can tell it's just completely transactional and Telbury is he's willing to jump ship the second it seems like it's not going to work out for him. Yeah. Yeah, poor Harathan. He doesn't have anyone on his team. I know. I know. You you definitely he's I think he's one of the most interesting characters because he is so multifaceted where it's like, he's really trying to do the right thing. And I'm sure he feels very like alone and isolated and everyone's trying to thwart him every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, they kind of are. Yeah. I I really like Karathan's character. There's a lot going on here. In this chapter, you see a lot of character development too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking of next scene, we're back with Diloph. And guess who else? What other character comes up in this scene? One of our favorites. Oh my god. I know I saw this and I underlined it. <laughs> Drioke Crush Throat. The pirate. <laughs> pirate Crush Throat. <laughs> yes. Okay. New new hot take or prediction that I had here. Okay. Okay. Crush Throat is actually Aiden. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. Aiden is the little character going around doing all the things. He has like a double. That's why he's so okay. like out of it in Aralon because his other half is like overtaking the world. Oh, you think he has like split personality? I don't know if I actually think that. I mean, I, it was kind of mainly a joke prediction, but yeah. I don't think Aiden's behind it all. Aiden is jaded. I, I could see that. Um, especially because it's like they just leave him alone in the room all the time. So he has a lot of opportunity to maybe he has like a Sion or something. Yeah. And he, he he's like pulling all the strings. That could be Crush it. Throat might be like his um minion. Yeah, like his minion who he seems like the big bad, but it's really Aiden. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so Crush Throat gets brought up because um, Krathen goes back to the church and there's been a huge response of conversions in Arlen. Right. Early on, Arlen. Um, And so, what did he say? 
So basically, I'll just read the paragraph because I think it makes the most sense. I've never seen this kind of response in Arlon, one priest noticed. Agreed, said his companion. I've been serving the Empire in K for over a decade, and we've never had more than a few conversions a year. Prathen passed the priest as he entered the Durethi chapel. There were minor underpriests of little concern to him. He noticed them only because of Diloph. It's been a long while, Diloph agreed. Though I remember a time just after the pirate Driok Crushthroat assaulted Tiod when there was a wave of conversions in Arlon. Right. Prathen frowned. Something about Delos' comment bothered him. He forced himself to continue walking, but he shot a glance back at the Ardith. Drioke Crushthroat had attacked Tiod 15 years before. It was possible that Delos would remember such a thing from his childhood, but how would he have known about the Arlon conversion rates? Well, so this is when we find out, yeah, that Delos is the lollipop guild. <laughs> and <laughs> Prathen's finally looking at him. He's like, wait a minute. It's an old man in children's clothes. <laughs> been bamboozled yeah okay okay yes yeah, so we learned that Dilaf is older than he looks and he has all this intel that Haratha had no idea about and so so I don't know so Dilaf is maybe a spy for another group because I can't imagine Harathan's boss guy would send him to Aralon and not warn him about Diloth if it was known Diloth, you know, had all this influence or whatever. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't know what Diloth is up to. Sanderson's doing a really good job keeping it, keeping it hidden for me. Keeping it buttoned up. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it is very, very confusing. Because you're like, because the only person above Prathen is the top guy. Yeah. The, um, whatever his name is. Lawrence? No, he's a Jorn. Ah. Whatever, I've forgotten his name. But the only person above, there's only one person above Prathen, and he's the tip top of the pyramid. The one thing we don't know about is we don't know about who are all of the head guy's minions. Oh, okay. So like I think we had talked about that it, it, it could be possible, suppose, that Diloph rolls up to one of the other of Prathen's like um co-workers peers. so to speak one of his peers yeah yeah but I think we can throw that one off the table because Diloph pledged his allegiance to Prathen oh so I, I don't know if they're allowed to do that maybe if he's undercover or something I don't know right right he could be undercover and do that I don't know I really don't know what Diloph is up to. What little rice? Yeah, at this looking up here. <laughs> <laughs> at this stage of the game, it's almost seeming like Diloph is an impostor, um, an impersonator. Oh, like right? Wouldn't that be the only thing that fits? He's pretending to be an artist or whatever. Like he killed real Diloph. <gasps> Whoa! I didn't think of that. Oh. But maybe. When would he have killed real Diloph? Real Diloph's been, it's like Mad-Eye Moody in Harry Potter. Oh. Real Diloph's been dead for a long time. Oh. And so now he's like, now he could be older. Oh, really? But have like, so real Diloph is dead. No, real Diloph became an Elantrian. 
Real, yeah, okay. So maybe real Diloff became Elantrian, so he had an open spot, and then new Diloff snuck in. Whoa. And now he's older than real Diloff, but he's still being like, oh, I'm 22, even though he's like 45. <laughs> he's like, look at me, I'm wearing sneakers, you know? <laughs> I'm young. And so everyone's like, okay. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and the higher ups are like D Loff's dead now, so we're not worried about him. But this tiny little town in K, they're like, yeah, this is D Loff. This is what he's always been. Whoa, whoa, that would be. So where did where did new D Loff come from? Who's he? Team? Maybe he's he might. So then he might be Aiden's spy. Oh, <gasps> he is crushed throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like there that is kind of what the book would be alluding to at this point oh that'd be very interesting I hadn't thought about that at all but that kind of sounds murder mystery-ish and I don't think that's the direction Elantris is going but maybe maybe it could be I didn't think Harry Potter was going to go that direction either (laughs) but then Mad-Eye Moody popped out out of a little treasure chest and then you're like oh my god (laughs) so you never know (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a good, good prediction slash hot take. We'll, we'll keep yeah. that in our back pocket. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another thing about Diloth that we learn is that, well, that Harathan realizes is that when Harathan first came to K, he was like, all right, got to cleanse the temple and only get people who are mm-hmm. really going to be on my side. And so all the priests who are just like kind of into it, he's like, be gone from me. And he sent them off to other places. So he's left with just mm-hmm. the most committed Dorothy people. But mm-hmm. what he finds out is that Diloff, who's like very extreme in his views, he attracted all the very um, like devout priests or whatever onto his team. Mm-hmm. And all the priests that um, Harathan had sent away, who were more kind of like, you know, moderate, they yeah. were turned off by um, Diloff's like extremeness, but he sent mm-hmm. them away. And so now he's left only people who are on Diloff's side. Mm-hmm. is bad for Harathan. Yes. Yes. So Harathan has realized that he made a fatal error on day one. And now he has completely fallen into Diloph's trap. Man, Diloph did him good. Well, I think this just goes again into that theme of um, judging someone or judging people before you know them. Oh, So he went in and he's like, oh, these people, they're not going to be helpful to me because they're not religious enough. You're out. Yeah. And he hadn't done his research. He didn't know the culture. He didn't know any of the people. He just made like this assessment based on his own beliefs of the people. And then that really bit him in the butt. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. I like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. And also yes. that Harathan is, everyone is against Harathan and there's no one on his side. There's no one on his side. And Harathan keeps just going down the chain to find who should be in charge of the church. And everyone's like, mm, no. And then that's when he's like realized that he's like, oh, every single person here rolls up to Diloph. Yeah. What would you do if you were Harathan? I'd be like, I'm going home. This town's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I quit. I tried. <laughs> or I would probably just like be like, Diloff, it seems like you have a plan. What's your plan? That's true. I think I would just, at that point, I'd be like, I'm cornered. But that's that's not Hrathen. Hrathen, he's scrappy. He's scrappier than me. 
all these people are pretty scrappy mm-hmm. we'll see yeah we'll see what happens mm-hmm. okay all right so harathan finds all this out about Diloff, and you're right he keeps asking pre or people like will you be the guy in charge and i'll say no and then and then i think the next thing that happens is um harathan has this whole internal conflict with his faith is there anything mm-hmm. that you want to talk about before then nope no okay so Harathan is kind of haunted by the question Omen asked him in his last chapter when he said, what happened to your faith, Harathan? And mm-hmm. Harathan seems to really actually believe the things in his faith. He's like not there just because of money. And he's like looking back on all the things he's done. And he's like, am I just doing this because like someone told me to or because these duties are what I know how to do? Um, he said, had my preaching become a logical challenge and not a spiritual quest? And he says that he knew in part that it had. Um, and so he's getting this whole internal conflict about the faith. Yeah. So one of the things that I highlighted is that Harathan, he's basically trying to like go back, back to the beginnings on like, how did I become, um, where, where did my faith first start? You know, and he was trying to go back to there and he had like a small book. And so what he says is he reached into his desk, seeking out a small book. He remembered unpacking it into the drawer as he had during countless other moves. He hadn't looked at it in years, but he had very few possessions. And so he had never found himself overburdened enough to discard the book. Eventually he located it. He flipped through the aging pages, selecting the one he was looking for. And this is what was written in the book. I found purpose before I lived, but I didn't know why. I have direction now. It gives glory to all that I do. I serve in Lord Jadav's empire and my services link directly to him. I am important. So how I interpreted that is that, and coming from like a very like religious background, I feel like this is something that was encouraged in church too, is like you kind of write down every time you have like a, like a spiritual, spiritual awakening or a spiritual whatever, and you like kind of write down our journal And then on days when you're like, your faith is wavering or whatever it is, like you look back to that time and you're like, no, like what I was feeling was real. Like I documented it here. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Mm. And I don't know if you did that, but I used to do that. Um, and when I started like stepping away from the church and being like, I don't know if this is for me, it's because I was just kind of like okay, I felt like that at that time, but it's like, if I don't feel like that at all now, what does that mean? You know, and your emotions and like your state of mind can be so altered by what's happening in your environment and where you're at and who you're around. It's like, I don't know that I could trust what I wrote 20 years ago. Yeah. But for Harathan, for Harathan, I think that really spoke to him and it really kind of reminded him of where he was at. And I underlined the line, I am important. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really what drives Krathen is that he wants to be important. Oh, interesting. And that's why he won't go to deal off and ask for help, even though he's realized he's cornered because then he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be the one who saves the town. Yeah. It's deal off. And I don't think he can, tolerate that yeah oh those are some good insights okay i i like that line too the part that he'd written down in his journal 
Um, and I'd forgotten mm-hmm. it was a journal. I thought when I was rereading it just now that it was like part of the scripture mm-hmm. or something. Um, but yeah, I think that is interesting thinking about, you know, is your faith based on your emotions or whatever? I think maybe that's why Harathan has gone so far into the logical side of things because he's like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like this all the time. And especially when he is first meeting Diloc, who is like so, um, what's the word? emotional passionate passionate yeah because when he first met Diloc who was just so passionate he was like I'm not that passionate and probably never was that passionate and that mm-hmm. maybe then go even more into like just the logic side of faith um mm-hmm. and so I think when he read this journal like you were saying he was reminded like oh like I I used to feel something and now it's been like now I kind of feel cold towards all these things mm-hmm. um and so kind of just trying to like do an internal search of you know what, what do I think? And why don't I feel this anymore? What do I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting. You underlined the I am important line from his journal, because I thought the first few lines were my, what would be, would oh. be the part I would underline if this weren't a library book. But mm-hmm. he said, um, I have found purpose before I lived, but I didn't know why I have direction now. I thought that was interesting because in Elantris, it seems like their, you know, secret antidote is that when they find their purpose, their pain goes away. And mm. so it seems, yeah, it seems like that's kind of a consistent theme of like finding your purpose is the answer, maybe no matter where you are, whether you're in Elantris or outside. And maybe mm-hmm. all these religions are unified by different things, but maybe the real religion is that you're unified in a common purpose. I don't know what that purpose what if what if I told you having feeling that you have purpose makes you feel like you're important oh I think and, right and that's why you want to have purpose yeah oh interesting it's a cynical way to look at it I think probably yeah like but I think a- you're, yeah I mean I think you're right even if that's not the reason you want purpose when you have purpose you do feel important and in like mm-hmm. a right way because everyone is valuable you know like if you're if you're a person and so when you have a purpose you see what you're why you're important I guess you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I would say like I'm trying to think cause and effect but I don't know if that's what I'm thinking I guess I'm thinking that like the true thing is that you want to feel important and there's a lot of ways to feel important. Having purpose is one of those ways. Basically. Okay. Like you're doing all these things so that you can feel important. Or Harathan's doing all these things so he can feel important. Okay. So you think that's his end goal is to feel important? I think that's I think that's like his core driver. Mm, he needs to and do- that's hmm yeah and so to be important he is gonna follow Lord Jadith because he sees a way of I see a I see a path now where I can navigate and move and if I do all these things then I get to be someone special yeah and I get to be and I think that also kind of goes into how he really liked how the organization of the religion was how you report to this person who reports to this person and you're all linked in this greater, bigger picture and how each person has like their role 
And like, that's what they do. That's their purpose. And that makes them like integral to the overall system. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think you're right with why he doesn't want to ask help from d Mm-hmm. Because then that takes away his purpose and then takes away his importance. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's what I think. Yeah. Oh, I think those are some good insights. And then the other note is that, um, so his personal record, so this diary contained only a few entries. So this diary is only for any of like spiritual experiences. So already you're seeing that Hrathen only has a handful of these religious experiences that he's had throughout his many years. So his personal record contained only a few entries, including this one, which he had written a few weeks after his decision to join the priesthood many years before. So right after he was like, okay, I'm going to, he basically was like, I'm going to be a super religious zealot. He had this spiritual awakening that he's like, I'm going to go become a priest. And so that was a long time ago. And then this was just before he entered the Dakor Monastery. So he had the spiritual awakening, and then he went to this, what we can interpret as a seemingly abusive, horrible monastery, where he was then abused and beaten up for a long time. Right. And then right after that, the internal monologue is, what happened to your faith, Rathen? And then Omen's questions plagued Rathen's thoughts. And it's like, it's very obvious what happened. He probably went to Dakor and he was like, this place sucks. And beat it out of him, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. Do you think Harathen mm-hmm. is going to, hmm, as like a prediction, do you think, well, you've read the book, but I have. So this isn't really, I'm going to ask this question to myself then. Do I think that Harathen <laughs> is going to <laughs> step away from the priesthood? Because it seems like, you know, there's some, inklings of like he really wanted to do a good thing and he wanted to have purpose and then mm-hmm. he went to Dakor and um it was you know kind of beaten out of him and it wasn't what he thought it was going to be and now he's like kind of gone down this whole path and maybe he'll be like oh my real purpose and the real impact I can make that's good will, will be somewhere else and also maybe okay what if um Diloff has been in the know the whole time and Rathen's mm-hmm. boss guy knows about Diloff and has been talking to Diloff and telling him all the things and actually Harathan's the one who's been in the dark and he's just kind of a cover where everyone else is going to focus on Harathan like Serene's focusing on Harathan she doesn't know who Diloff even is I don't think mm-hmm. and so that's just a cover so Diloff can do what he needs to do mm. Mm. yeah I think if if Harathan was in to be crass, the cuck, are you familiar with that term? Uh, Being cuckolded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So shorthand is the cuck. Okay. Um, Basically like you're the butt of the joke. Oh yeah. Right. Everyone knows, suppose everyone in the church knows that Diloph is number one and Harathan's walking around like, I'm going to be the savior. I'm going to do this stuff but really he's just the decoy yeah i think that would kill him (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah oh man poor harathen i know that might be 
that could be fairy fitting that yeah you know that might be it Mm -hmm. bummer oh but Harathan just seems so genuine even if we don't agree with the things he's trying to do he really thinks he's doing a good thing man he he does and he doesn't because he even admits to himself he's like part of this is for sport uh yeah serene had the same she had the same type of spiritual reckoning in a previous chapter where she was kind of like realizing for the first time i've been playing politics for sport my whole life but now there are like real consequences involved oh yeah that's right and so i think harathan has been doing this a little bit for sport too yeah um and so he's kind of having that spiritual reckoning of like why am i doing this does it make sense yeah it reminds me have you ever heard that analogy where it's like there's like this one line and like this is like the good thing to do or whatever and then like if you do like if you're kind of like veer off a little bit like you compromise on your morals a little bit then you're just Mm -hmm. a little bit off but if you keep going in that direction you end up like really far off yeah it kind of makes me think like harathan has been going far off a little bit far off from his morals and like taking a little step away for a long Mm -hmm. time and now he's looking back and realizing like oh wow i'm really far away now and he's like having this moment of reckoning yeah and i think that ties in with all of the compromises that we've been talking about he's been making using the seons you know working with non-religious people like he's always willing to compromise for the end goal and now it seems like to your point he doesn't even know what he's doing yeah because that it ends the chapter i really like this line Diloph had faith Diloph believed in what he was doing what did harathan have he wasn't certain anymore whoa man that's a good line this is a good chapter yeah yeah and i think you know sanderson he's a very religious person i think anyone who has been in some type of religion i think they've probably gone through this type of questioning at some point Mm -hmm. so to me this feels almost like maybe sanderson questioned his own religion at some point yeah yeah and had his own questioning of why am i doing this why am i doing all of these things is it does this make sense does this align with what i want my life to be like yeah right (laughs) i was gonna say hopefully it wasn't as you know dramatic as harathan's situation (laughs) i know oh my gosh yeah (sighs) i think you're right though interesting Mm -hmm. all right we ready to close on chapter 24 yeah we gotta leave harathan behind but we have one more harathan chapter at the end of this so yeah it's a shorty though it is yeah okay so now we're on chapter 25 Let's okay. summarize that bad boy. After 25, so we're on a new chapter title. So the last three have all been Dao, which was stability, security. Oh, and tying onto that theme, Harathan is now very unstable and very insecure mm-hmm. on everything. So he's kind of like falling apart. Um, yeah. Now I think next- that ties in with the other two also. Right. Yeah. 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 Each of them tied into that theme, um, but our podcasts have been off. So we just finished the Dao. Yes. Um, and now the next three chapters are all have the letter ala, which means beauty, handsomeness. Um, mm. mm-hmm. And oh, when I read the chapter title, 
my prediction was that Rayodin and Serene are definitely going to meet each other and introduce each other now because it's called beauty handsomeness and they're going to be like wow this person's beautiful on the inside or maybe the Mm -hmm. outside I don't Mm -hmm. know so so that was my prediction but summary of chapter 25 this is from Rayodin's perspective right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things happen here. So this is his last chapter in part two. Um, And in this chapter, we find out about Galadin's past. Um, Rayodin discovers an old Elantrian in their little hospital that they've been keeping in their, Mm -hmm. you know, revitalized church or whatever. An Um, original Elantrian. Yeah, that's right. An original Elantrian. So he's, yeah, he was there before Mm -hmm. when Elantrian was still beautiful as well yeah um and it seems like they are on the verge of finding the secret behind the deor which is kind of like the animating spirit that makes the magic actually work mm-hmm. um yeah. and just a quick correction it's a door what and it's it? d-o-r it's just d-o-r yeah oh i think there is someone named deora <laughs> i know i know what Oh my goodness. Okay, fine. All right. So yeah, so this chapter, I think it has like two-ish, three-ish parts. The first part is he's looking at um what's her face? Serene doing her widow's trial. Mm-hmm. Talking to Galadin, then going to the hospital and then going on a quest for the old original Lantrian. The old guy. Yeah. So let's start that first part where Serene's doing her widow's trial and we're watching this happen through Rayodin's eyes. Yeah. Okay. So Rayodin is helping them distribute food, um, but he has mm-hmm. he has this hard line where he says, it was unnerving. He could accept Elantris as a source of pain. It was entirely different to see his friends the same way because he's helping alongside all of his buddies from the boys club who used to be tight mm-hmm. with they don't recognize him because now he's an Elantrian and so now it's just kind of like a feeling of rejection over and over again because they're no longer friends they're no longer friends and it's like you can maybe be used to people looking at you like a second class citizen but he went from his friends where he was the prince and if anything he looked at them like they were probably second class citizens if anything Mm-hmm. And now he's like the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think it is part of that. I think also it is just like a genuine mourning though of like, this is how things mm-hmm. used to be. And like, I get it that this is how they are now. And like, I've accepted mm-hmm. that, but it's still sad. Yeah. Yeah. So it is sad. It is sad. Um, And then Rayodin in this part, he likes being with Serene because she just treats him as he is now. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have really any experiences from before. Right. He makes a funny joke. You, We learn a lot about Torena, which is one of the ladies in the knitting circle. And she's the daughter of one of the men in the, the men's club. Mm-hmm. And Torena's father, you might remember his name's Ahan, and he's like a big round fat man. Right. And his wife is very tall and slim, I think. And so then Tarena is like quite um, unusual because the dad's so fat. And people are like, how is she not fat? So anyway, so this line I liked. (laughs) 
Um, what did he say? Oh, I think perhaps that she, Tarana, needs this food as much as we do. <laughs> Serene, be nice to her. She's the only woman brave enough to come, though she only agreed because I asked Shudan, who she's into, to ask her. If you scare that girl away, none of the others will ever come. And I thought that was like a funny line because it's like Brayden's like trying to like make a joke and he's like this sickly, dying, very thin person. And he's like, I think she needs that food more than we do. And Serene's just not into it at all. <laughs> I know oh, Serene okay yeah so this whole chapter we're seeing Ryodin and he's like I don't want to reveal myself to my friends and so even though of course he looks very different he's also acting different around them but he's acting mm-hmm. more like himself around Serene and he's like you know making jokes and being like jovial or whatever um and Serene like is guarding herself away from him because she's also mm-hmm. like kind of intrigued by him but doesn't know what he's up to and so wants to keep herself safe and so she's like not laughing at any of his jokes not returning any of the like kindness and warmth and it's just so sad I know so sad um okay there is something early in this chapter this is when he's talking to his to his old friends and they don't recognize him and he says they had been companions to the handsome prince Ryoden, but never to the accursed Mm -hmm. creature spirit which just goes with the theme of handsome and beauty where he used to be Mm -hmm. handsome and now he's accursed and so they don't recognize him yeah. Okay. Um, but something else from this is that Ryodin is also very impressed by Serene um, because he says that it took him years to earn the trust of the boys club people, but she had just done it in a few weeks, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of strange because I thought everyone loved Ryodin and I'm surprised it took him years to gain their trust. Um, but I also thought that was interesting because Ryodin hasn't found his secret in Elantris yet. And I think it's because his purpose isn't to lead. He's not great at it his purpose is something else and serene's Mm. purpose maybe is to lead yeah she's like the born leader and rayodin he it sounds like he he was able to lead because he was so well liked yeah but you can only be so well liked if people know you yeah so that's kind of that's like a long a long con strategy i think yeah you know because even if people are like, oh yeah, like I like him, he seems nice, but you have to be nice for a very, very long time consistently, never messing up for people to believe that it's like genuine and authentic. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I wrote down a couple of things in this um area that I thought was really nice. Um he so Rayodin's like kind of hanging around Serene, and part of it is because he feels like he can be himself instead of around his friends where he has to act different but he also said he was curious to see how they would have gotten along as husband and wife without their separate political necessities getting in the way Mm -hmm. so um there's other parts in the book i don't know if we highlighted it explicitly but where rayodin and serene clearly had written letters they had been pen pals and neither one of them really knew if they were accepting the proposal for only political purposes or because they really liked each other yeah, But we see on their inner monologues that both of them really liked each other and they had like this real, they had a real connection, but neither one seemed, seems to be willing to admit it, I think for fear of getting like rejected. Mm-hmm. And then um, in response to Serene, all of her accomplishments that she's made in these 10 days, he said, <laughs> she was impressive in every attribute, intelligent, beautiful, and strong. 
Now, if only he could convince her not to hate him. Oh. Yeah. And Serene always describes herself as intelligent, ugly, and strong. And Rayodin thinks, yeah, she always talks about how she's long and spindly and too tall and too thin and too blonde of hair and probably too (laughs) nice of skin. (laughs) (laughs) That's a blemish on me. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I'm just like completely unrelatable. (laughs) um but Rayodin he sees her and he's like she is stunning yeah no I know no you just want them to be together Mm -hmm. the other thing I noted is that Duke Tellery was there right and he seemed completely unfazed that his daughter might be in Elantra somewhere yeah that's true I didn't think about that Mm -hmm. hmm what do you think? Tellery is just like uncaring or do you think it's something else? I don't know. I mean, part of it could be that he's put up, he had to make up this whole story that she wasn't an Elantris and he doesn't want people to know that mm-hmm. she is an Elantrian and I don't know. I mean, it could be part of that. I could almost, I could see that and I could almost see something where maybe Duke Tellery sends in people or sent in people when she first got started to make her the leader oh interesting Mm -hmm. oh that's a good idea I could see something like that where it's like he doesn't want to show anything like any type of attachment um maybe out of self-preservation for himself or maybe you know so people don't catch on but maybe he's secretly helping out his daughter behind the scenes and yeah. that's because it's like it is very odd how she just like shows up in a pink dress and a wig and everyone's like you're you're the one <laughs> i really like where that. did she get the where did she get the pink dress she wasn't like brought in with the pink dress no they're all brought in with the white funeral gowns but okay but no one knows what happened to duke Tellery's daughter so this wasn't a public thing oh yeah that's right. true yeah but also, someone had to open the gates. I'm sure Tellery could have paid people off, though. That's what I'm saying. I feel like, I think Duke Tellery, he's pretending like he doesn't care, maybe. But I think, I think maybe he's helping out behind the scenes. I think you're right. I like that idea. Yeah. Humanizes him a little bit. Okay, but yeah, so Tellery is there. And yeah. he's not, he's not helping with the food, right? He's just kind of like, look, he's like standing off to the side right yeah maybe he's just being annoyed yeah he's just being annoyed um and Rayodin's like yeah I never liked Tellery so no one no one likes him I guess (laughs) um anything else big happened with the widows um that's pretty much it um Rayodin he's just being like the Elantrian mayor trying to be very normal being like we're nice we're (laughs) not weird you're not gonna be sick welcome um and people are kind of like oh okay it's not that bad yeah oh one of my questions here which actually gets answered later in the chapter is where mm-hmm. are Shayor little princess girls men because aren't they like running in and like making a fool of themselves so I had that question at this point in the chapter but we do find out the answer later yeah yeah um did you have anything else on this spot um mm- no um other than so all this food 
that's going to the Elantrians. Um, Rayodin's people have been giving it to the people in the Hayod, which are the people who are the very worst Hoed. off. Hoed. ah. And the Hoed, um, who are the people who are the worst off, who have been put mm-hmm. into their little, like, ICU clinic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, it doesn't seem like it's helped them. Yeah. No. But yeah, so I yeah. guess none of the other people are getting the food. Is it only going to them, to the Hoed? Um, no. So I think we find out later, but basically Rayodin and all like the civilized people, they're able to come up and get their food and stuff. Rayodin and his people are kind of siphoning off a little bit of extras to give to the Hoed and stuff and stockpile oh, a little. Yeah. But the other people are just kind of eating it and now they're leaving New Elantris basically. Yeah, that's right. And Rayodin yeah. isn't eating any. He eats a little bit. Oh, it's um, okay. Mm-hmm. And so something I wanted to highlight and get your thoughts is, is it the sour melon? Well, I, I did highlight that. Yeah. Again, here's the sour melon. So, um, Raiden's like, how did she get sour melon? And I'm wondering <laughs> like, where is this going with the sour melon? Where I do you think it's going with the sour melon? Well, I only realized in hindsight that like, oh, this matters because it comes up in the next chapter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think it's the next chapter. Um, so I didn't think anything of it earlier, but yeah, somehow who, well, we find out later it's, I forget who we find out it is. Shudin? No. Yeah. Oh, it is uh, it's Lucal. Lucal. Yeah, that's right. Lucal. So somehow Lucal is, has this like sour melon operation going on and he's getting them even though they're really expensive and maybe even out of season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there some Elantris magic going on? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, sour melons keep coming up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. All right. So this is the part that I wanted to highlight and get your feedback on. Okay. So Rayodin, he's been getting like a little bit of food consistently, and it has been helping a little bit with some of the pain and stuff. But he's thinking, he's already thinking Serene's going to leave soon and all this food's going to dry up. So the casual thought brought a sudden awareness of his pains the thought of the food going away. They were with him as always, burning his flesh and eating at his resolve. He no longer counted them, though each one had its own feeling, an unformed name, a sense of individual agony. As far as he could tell, his pain was accelerating much more quickly than anyone else's. A scrape on his arm felt like a gash running from shoulder to finger, and his one stubbed toe blazed with a fire that ran all the way to his knee. It was as if he had been in Elantris a year and not a single lonely month. Or, and this is the part I highlighted, Maybe his pain wasn't stronger. Maybe he was just weaker than the others. Either way, he wouldn't be able to endure much longer. And so he's already like, he's like, I'm not going to make it. But my question to you is, what do you think about this? Why do you think Rayodin's pain is more intense or his tolerance is less? Okay. Yeah. I thought that line was really interesting. And I highlighted that one too. Um, And I think... Okay, so the way he frames it is that his pain is either accelerating faster than everybody else's or his tolerance Mm -hmm. is less. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that his tolerance is less because I don't know why that would be. He seems like a pretty good guy, pretty strong. So that Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense to me. Um, It could be that his pain is going faster 
possibly because he has like the burden of leadership. And so he's kind of carrying things for everybody, which is what Karada mm-hmm. was talking about. Like I can't mm-hmm. carry this for much longer. So I could mm-hmm. see that maybe it's going faster. I think also though, the other people around him, they now have this antidote, the Elantra secret or whatever of mm-hmm. you know finding their purpose and like working and whatever. And that's reduced their pain. And he doesn't have that. So I think yeah. when you compare it like that, everyone else is getting better and so by comparison he looks even worse Mm. and I also want to know how does he know this isn't what people feel like after a month um so they don't explicitly say it here but they do talk about it later um where he kind of describes some of his symptoms and people are like what are you talking about uh (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> i drank this thing called tummy tea and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and everyone's like no i feel great <laughs> tummy tea doesn't give me explosive diarrhea <laughs> and then you're like oh all right <laughs> me neither <laughs> oh my gosh okay yeah so yes i that was my thought on it that he isn't mm-hmm. his tolerance isn't any less it's either the burden of leadership or he doesn't have the antidote which is mm-hmm. um but i don't know now that i know that the symptom thing comes up later maybe maybe there is something different about him about the way he's turned into an elantrian mm-hmm. that makes sense. well i think it would support your idea that he hasn't found his true purpose yeah and so that's why it's not working for him like it's working for other people Right. Right. That was my thought. Okay. Are you ready to leave the widow's trial? Um, yes. Okay. So we leave the widow's trial. And then the next thing is we see, um, the deal that Karada and Tandon, but it wasn't actually Tandon made with yeah. Serene was that they're like, okay, fine. You can come into Elantris, but we demand these items every time you come. And mm-hmm. so she gives them her little, you know, supplies from the outside world but we learned that she's real sneaky and she doesn't really want to help them because she doesn't really know what they're up to and so they ask for things like a certain amount of weight of steel and she's like okay fine but she gives them that amount of steel in nails so they like yes can't do anything with it and so it's it's pretty funny but also I'm like ah <laughs> so annoying um so anyway, so we see that scene um, and a few things come up here. One line that's just kind of funny is that as they're going through this box of supplies that Serene sent them, Galadin says, if that woman was your fate, Soul, then your Domi blessed you by sending you to this place. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. <laughs> that was so funny because Serene is just like so intolerable and you're like, ah. <laughs> I know, but Rayodin, he's like, I'm into it. <laughs> Because he even says, he says, oh, I'm thoroughly revolted at like some of the things that she got. I just enjoy seeing the ways she finds to spite us. Yeah. He's like, she's clever. I agree. Yeah. I respect it. Yeah. So. One of the uh, lines that I highlighted right away was in the first paragraph. So the gate thumped as it shut. The sound reminding Rayodin of his first day in Elantris. His pain that had only been emotional and comparatively weak at that. If he had truly understood what he was getting into, he probably would have curled up and joined the hoed right then and there. Mm. And, and I think there's a lot of like 
people. I can think of times myself where you're kind of like the boiled frog. Yeah. Where you just keep enduring, 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 enduring. And it gets to a point where you're like, how have I been able to tolerate this for so long? Like if someone told me at the beginning that this is what was in store for me, I would have given up. Mm -hmm. But because you just incrementally just get worse and worse and worse off, (laughs) you're kind of able to tolerate it a little more. Yeah. I don't know. Man, that's interesting just because it seems almost like a parallel of what Harathan was going through or like he made like incrementally worse and worse decisions and now he's ended up in a place that he like, it's like, how did I end up here? Like, this is terrible. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not the same thing, but kind of similar of like Rhoda just kept getting a little worse and worse each day. And now he's looked Mm -hmm. back and he's like, if I knew this is where it was going, I couldn't have handled it. I would have given up. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I do think that also is a testament to like his strength of, you know, or or just like you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still going. So, but yeah, I, I like that line. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot there. Um, I think it's just more of like plot. Yeah. Um, we learned that the reason why Shayor's men haven't been like ruining everything is that Salin and the other soldiers have been keeping them away and Rodin mm-hmm. doing his PR role as he's really good at. He was like, okay, if they see a Shayor's men, then they really will be scared of the Elantrians. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I just kind of imagine it's like these people and they have like this sheet and like, you can clearly see that like things are like ramming against it. And like, it's a terrible things behind the sheet. They're like, no, we're fine. <laughs> You're like, everything's normal. Yeah. You're like, what's that? You're like, what's what? There's nothing. <laughs> it's a little wind. <laughs> so that's, so that's something. Um, okay. So we see that. We learn that's what happened to Shior's men. Um, there's, I'm trying, oh, oh, there's another line that I had a question about. So when they're looking and they see that um, Serene gave them nails instead of like normal steel, like a normal person would. Yeah. Um, some, I think it's someone says, fortunately, Ian, Ian the blacksmith had been one of the few Atlantrians to remain true to Rayodin. I was like, what mm-hmm. happened to everybody? Is it because they got food that they're like leaving to Elantris? Yeah. So in the next segment, I'll just read the line really quick. Mm-hmm. New Elantris seemed hollow now. Once, right before Serene's arrival, they had collected over 100 people. Now barely 20 remained, not counting children and Hoed. Most of those who stayed were newcomers to Elantris, people like Sawalin and Marash that Rayodin had, quote, rescued. They didn't know any other life beyond New Elantris and were hesitant to leave it behind. The others, those that had wandered into New Elantris on their own, had felt only faint loyalty to Rayodin's cause. They had left as soon as Serene offered them something, quote, better. Most now lined the streets surrounding the gate waiting for their next handout. Hmm. Right. Okay. So that, that is what he meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so like Rayodin had said in the last chapter, the thing Serene is doing is like dismantling everything he worked so hard to build. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he, Rayodin mentions after he's like, I, you know, we worked so hard for this and also the food that they're giving, it's not even, it's not making anyone full. Like, they feel satisfied for like a moment, but then they're immediately hungry. And so like, they're giving yes. this like three square meal ration to everybody, but everyone's eating it all at once because there's just no, limit. it feels, it feels very similar to how I would imagine like an addict 
is where it's like there's never enough Mm -hmm. and that's how I'm imagining it where it's like oh you give me some some of this drug that my body's craving so desperately and as soon as I get it it burns it right up and then it wants more yeah and you can just never be fully sated right yeah it does feel kind of like that yeah, I do want to um, underline that the blacksmith, his name's Eonic, which okay. means willpower. Oh, and Eon is the thing they draw, right? The letters? Aeon. <laughs> Just when you think you got it. I know. Eon, like one of the men, Ian Dale, and then Eonic is willpower endurance. Oh, well, he would mm-hmm. be the one to make use of all the nails yeah it's gonna have willpower gotta have a lot of willpower Mm -hmm. okay um i do have where's the part where he starts drawing aeons because i had that highlighted but i don't know if that's the next thing or what yeah i think that's the next um segment so basically what happened is serene comes she does the widow's challenge then they get her items that she got them and they're kind of sifting through it at the church in New Elantris and then um now it's kind of I'm imagining it it's like later in the afternoon and they've done their chores or whatnot and then I think um well so after so Rayodin feels less pain using aeons and I highlighted that somewhere okay so before we get there so they're going through all of Serene's things and then just like the plot things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sayolin comes back and he's like, hey, Shaor's men are getting stronger and we're losing men and this is bad. And so Rayodin's kind of in this pickle of like, oh gosh, now I need to figure out how do I, how do I stave off the Shaor's men? Mm-hmm. But I keep doing this because we're so, so Sayolin, he's like his head guard guy. Right. And he shows up and I think he has like a big gash. Yeah. in his arm or something yeah i think you're right um and karata like stitched it back up mm-hmm. which that sounds, sounds horrible. horrible yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful but i guess you're already in pain so it doesn't wouldn't that feel like you're always getting stitches after i don't know um i'm imagining it is because there's no blood coming out or anything i'm imagining it just like leather like leather almost and you're just like sewing it up Oh my gosh. But like you always feel pain. I don't know. I know. I don't know what would be better. But you don't want it to rip, I guess, is the issue. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so we learned that. Um, and also we learned that Rayodin doesn't know what Serene is up to, but he's trusting. He's like, I think she's up to something and I think we should help her in it. So we're going to keep mm-hmm. Shaver's men away. And we're going to see what happens. And Galadin's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, find out soon because Shior's men are about to break through and then we're mm-hmm. all going to die. Yes. And so after that, then now it's kind of like free time and Rayodin, he's practicing his aeons. And so Sanderson kind of writes out what the basic aeon looks like. And I'm going to just read it to you. So there's a dot in the center a line running a few inches above it and another line running along its right side. So I'm imagining like a square, maybe. The starting point of every aeon. So Rayden continued to draw his fingers moving delicately and quickly, 
leaving luminescent trails behind them. He completed the box around the center dot and drew two large circles around around it. Aontia, the symbol for travel. He didn't stop there either. He drew two lines extending from the corners of the box, a prescription that the aeon was to only affect him, then four smaller aeons down the side to delineate the exact distance it was to send him. A series of lines crossing the top instruction the aeon to wait to take effect until he tapped its center, indicating that he was ready. Um, yeah, so what do you think about the shape of the aeon? Oh, about the shape itself? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I don't know. I honestly didn't think much of it until you pointed it out. Um, and then he completed the box. So it's basically like a dot and like a box. It's like a dice. Mm-hmm. Kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah. Um, so is that is that the part I should focus on, or should I look at the other things he draws too? Well, it's just Sanderson spends a lot of time explaining and drawing these things out. So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on it. Yeah. Mm, no, honestly, I, I didn't really have any thoughts. Okay. I, and yeah. so the Aeon that he's been practicing is called Aeon Tia, which it transports you exactly X amount of body lengths away. And I think Rayodin mentioned this earlier. It was like one of the first ones he learned about. And he said this one was really dangerous because if you go 10... 10 body lengths forward, you might end up in the middle of a wall and explode. <laughs> right. This is very literal. So yeah, it's very literal. So you have to be very, very careful with it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, the letters kind of remind me of like Chinese symbols, how I'd imagine mm -hmm. it is learning how to write those. Mm, yeah. So it makes me think of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's an interesting point, like a character type of yeah. language, because um, Sanderson, as we mentioned at the very beginning of this pod, he spent some time in, I think it was South Korea. Maybe it was Vietnam. I thought it was he Thailand. Spent, maybe it was Thailand. He huh. spent some time, he spent his time overseas and he likes to sprinkle in that type of um, history and flavor into his books. Right. Yeah, so I, I am getting some of those vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, It also says, which I think you had maybe already said, is that he feels a lot of peace when he's writing Aeons, which mm -hmm. I think means his purpose is in learning. Oh, interesting. I were, yeah, I think if you were just like a scholar in Galadin's little library, he, mm -hmm. would, he wouldn't feel any pain. He wouldn't realize he was hungry. Oh, interesting. I like that that so um let's see then the next thing this is really important um because galadin's like how's your study going and rayodin shrugged um you know some things hints mostly he flipped back to the book to a page he had marked like this case about 10 years ago before the Riyadh, before elantris fell a man brought his wife to elantris to recover receive treatment for her palsy. However, the Elantrian healer drew Aeon Ian slightly wrong. And instead of just vanishing, the character flashed and bathed the poor woman in a reddish light. She was left with black splotches on her skin and limp hair that soon fell out. 
She died a short time later, Rayodin said. She threw herself off a building, screaming that the pain was too much. Mm. And then Gallivan said, what did the healer do wrong? It wasn't an error so much as an omission, Rayodin said. He left out one of the three basic lines. The three basic lines being, I guess, the right angle and then the dot. A foolish error, but it shouldn't have had such a drastic effect. Rayodin paused, studying the page thoughtfully. It's almost like, like what, Sewell? Well, the Aeon wasn't completed, right? He's like, um, so maybe the healing began, but couldn't finish because his instructions weren't complete. And then basically Rayodin puts it together. He's like, we're not dead. We're just not complete. Yeah. Whoa. I thought that was big. I thought that was really cool. So they yeah. they do have some of the magic, but yeah, they can't really access all of it. And so now, yeah, Radon's putting together the pieces that if we can figure out how to like complete this thing, then mm-hmm. we'll be fine. We won't be cursed anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. I thought that was good. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I thought in terms of symbolism, oh, sorry, I've been talking a lot. Do you have any thoughts? Um, no, not really. I've written this. I'd written that. Um, I forget if this is what the book said or if I had written it like this. But the he says that the magic got stuck, and that's why their bodies are frozen in time, and so that's mm-hmm. why like, when they get hurt. They don't heal anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they need to time Aeon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're kind of like putting together some of the mystery. Yeah. So one of the symbolisms that I pulled out here is that so new Atlantis is at the church and they're like these they're supposed to be these holy angels but instead they're like these decrepit little demon things Mm -hmm. and rayodin saying that he's they're not finished quote and that to me felt very like biblical ish where you're like fallen man oh and you're like quote not finished but then once you get baptized or go to heaven or whatever it is is then you're like your best self you're complete oh yeah i could see that yeah hmm that kind of fits with something we learn later in the chapter which we can we can wait till we're there but yeah i do see that kind of like biblical can you tie that in now because i don't know what you're referencing (gasps) really okay so um when they go to the hoed all the icu people and they mm-hmm. find the old guy who's the OG Elantry and they find out. Mm. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. They have to go on this whole quest and the quest ends with them throwing him into the magical pool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like some baptism imagery. Oh, yeah, except he dies. Does he Instead die? of being born again. Are you sure he dies? I wasn't convinced he died. He dissolved, but maybe he turned into something else. I feel like it would make sense if they turned into a Sion after that. Oh, that would make sense, actually. Yeah. Right? Like, you just get rid of their body, and now they're just, like, a little... A spirit? A spirit ball. Oh, yeah, that could make sense. Yeah, because they never really talk about where Sions come from. Yeah, they don't. Hmm, I like that idea. Yeah, maybe he's a Sion. Wouldn't that be horrible if you're like, okay, I'm ready to die, my life sucks, and then they throw <laughs> you into the thing, and then you just, like, wake up, and you're like, oh, now I don't even have a body. <laughs> My <laughs> <a> little servant. <laughs> yeah, no, a servant. Servant spirit. <laughs> but no, no, it's like it's like a mix of I forget. Is it Buddhism or something? Where it's like you're unencumbered by all the material things, your only spirit. 
and oh. that's and all the sounds are so happy because they're like I'm just doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing curious that does sound good could be something okay well I I didn't think he was just dying I thought he was going to a better place <laughs> I like I like our idea that he becomes a an aeon a seon yeah a seon I see they're all the same I know okay okay so yeah so that's what happens at the end of the chapter Ryoden is putting together the pieces and is realizing realizing that some part of the door which is like the magic is stuck mm-hmm. um in between we also learn about Galadin's past which was exciting because I've been waiting for this the whole time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we find out that Galadin's father was an Elantrian back when Elantrian mm-hmm. was cool and Galadin didn't like it and so he left for Duladel as soon as he could and Galadin says that his father was the only depressed Elantrian I ever knew that's when I finally understood that they weren't gods because gods could never feel such agony oh whoa mm-hmm. so we're learning well oh go ahead I was gonna say so we're learning about Galadin we're also learning that Elantrians weren't maybe also hunky-dory happy all the time because mm-hmm. um, Galadin's father was sad but also it made me think well actually okay do you want to say something first then I'll say what I I was just gonna say it sounds like Galadin's father he wanted to be a farmer mm. but there was no purpose for him to be a farmer whoa back to purpose yeah so he had been and now that I'm thinking about it if we're talking about this through a biblical lens the whole Elantrian process sounds very much like predestination oh yeah like you suddenly just get picked but in but being like so literal that like you get picked and you have to go even if you're like I don't wanna (laughs) they're like too bad (laughs) we're throwing you in here we're throwing you in here yeah okay yeah. wait so what did Galadin's father do because he wanted to farm but what did he end up actually doing did he write books about agriculture he studied farming and ag- agriculture so he just became a scholar oh but he always wanted to do the he, like he liked working with his hands but he's like what's the point in doing that if you can just make food out of nothing oh, oh interesting so then he just started studying it so that's why when Rayodin was in the study at the very beginning all the books were on agriculture and geography right Mm, interesting okay I mean this is all going to come together because I'm pretty sure the corn is going to change everything when they can finally grow it and eat it and Mm -hmm. it turns out Mm -hmm. that Galadin's father actually was like you know if he could if he his scholarship is going to help save Elantris but also I think if he was actually farming in Elantris maybe it would have stopped Elantris from falling and so maybe this is a story of like, even if your purpose doesn't make sense, maybe there, there's mm-hmm. still a place for it. I don't know. Yep. I could see that. Could be. But yeah, so his father is unhappy. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think, I think your, what you just said changes my mind on what I originally thought about. What did you originally think? Because originally I was thinking, because um, Galadin says, this is what I knew they weren't gods because gods can never feel such agony. And then that made me think of like, okay, can gods feel pain? Can they suffer? And I was thinking, is there some sort of like giver vibes going on where mm. giver is like taking on all the burden for everybody else? And so maybe mm. the did feel pain, but they had like such a high capacity to care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it sounds like Galadin's father 
he wasn't living his purpose and so he was unhappy so yeah. I don't think that was what all Elantrians felt yeah um another line that I wrote similar to this um Riordan so basically Galadin just said I hate my father hated the city I hated the city and now I'm trapped here and so Riordan's like uh, uh okay awkward Riordan <laughs> wasn't certain how to respond Riordan to Galadin I suppose an optimistic comment wouldn't do much good right now Galadin smiled slightly definitely not you optimists just can't understand that a depressed person doesn't want you to try and cheer them up. It makes us sick. And I, I think that's a little, little bit of tongue in cheek, but as someone who can be a depressed person, it felt very accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote down that line. And I said, good word. Like, yeah, you're right. That isn't what people who are depressed need. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, Rayadon says, then just let me say something that's true, my friend. He says, I appreciate you. I don't know if you fit in here. I doubt any of us do, but I value your help. If New Elantra succeeds, then it'll be because you were there to keep me from throwing myself off a building. So basically what what the solution, quote unquote, to depression, what I'm pulling from this is not optimism. It's not hope. It's that by saying that you're important, and you have purpose. Whoa. Which is what Harathan found in his journal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, yeah. I think that that's really kind of a central point of all of this. Is mm-hmm. that it's all coming back to purpose and you're important. Yeah. Well, I like it. Yeah, that was, I really like that interaction. Mm-hmm. So did this meet your expectations of what you thought? Because you thought that Galadin had lived in an Elantris and that he was an Elantrian at some point yeah that's right um this was even better than what I could have imagined (laughs) so really um I think it makes more sense that Galadin actually didn't like Elantris and doesn't want to be a part of it because he has those he has that like character of like uh kind of grumpy doesn't want to be yeah um so and that makes sense with the farmer thing that his father was a farmer. I mean, I don't know. I think it just adds, again, like some more depth to the Elantrians because mm-hmm. there was an Elantrian whose purpose didn't seem to match with mm-hmm. what they needed and who was actually very sad. Mm-hmm. They weren't all like all powerful, all happy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was this what you expected? I mean, when you first read it? Um. I can't remember exactly, but I do remember having similar thoughts to you as being like, okay, it's very obvious that Galadin knows more than he's saying. Yeah. Um, So I don't know that I gave it any thought because when I was reading the book, I wasn't thinking this hard. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It really changes things when you're preparing for a two-hour podcast. (laughs) (laughs) For every chapter. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of other two. <laughs> oh my god, I know. We still I know we're going so slow. Okay. Um, any more thoughts here? Okay. No, I think that that's all I had for the Galadin part. Okay. So now we're in the third act where the old man he keeps saying, one so very beautiful, beautiful, which ties into the Aeon. Oh, that's right. The theme. I didn't even think about that. 
No, you did. You said that at the beginning. And I had never thought of it. And I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to bring really? it up. <laughs> when you listen to this, you'll see it. And you'll be like, <gasps> oh my gosh, that's how long this episode has been. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um, so now Rayodin and the crew take the old man to the pool. Yes. Okay. And they have to go through like all these doors and like they go through the secret passageway that Rayon and Damien know existed. Like the, he goes pretty in depth. Like they went a long way to find this little pool. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So they go to the pool. Um, there again, there's a lot of detail here that I didn't write down, but they're in this room and there's a lot of books and also there's no slime here. So it's this place that mm-hmm. is somehow like clean from all of the Elantris muck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also notice that there's no aeons here um so their light is was just normal lanterns it wasn't lit by yes. the aeons and so for some mm-hmm. reason the room that is still the same as it used to be and doesn't have any aeons just kind of exists here so that's intriguing mm-hmm. um, and then right and then they find the pool and then they put the elantrian in and then he dissolves. It says he melted away like sugar in a tea. And mm-hmm. there was there was no sign of him. Um, and then Rayodin, without meaning to, is like leaning into the pool. And Karad is like, you know, probably should be careful considering what we just saw. And he was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's really feeling the pain. He's about to throw himself into the pool. They all want the release. Yeah, I think that to me reminded me of like, I think a lot of people have felt this when you're on like a really tall building mm-hmm. and you look down and you're just kind of like, I could just boop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fall off. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's kind of like that scary feeling and you're like, whoa. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting too that like we as the reader get to see Rayodin's inner monologue but he to everyone else is providing this beacon of hope and optimism and all this stuff but he is so close to committing suicide yeah that's true and so I I think that kind of maybe tugs a little bit on how even when people seem like they're okay even like really strong people who seem so this so that they can still really be struggling Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. But yeah, Rayodin is kind of at the end. And he um, and Galadin is like, hey, like, we've only been here a month. You still got years left in you. And Rayodin's like, no, I do not. And Rayodin <laughs> tells him that um, if when I am Hoed, bring me here. Don't make me live in pain. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, man, like things, things got really deep right there. Yeah. At the end. So, um, so some things that I noted for, so the door that opened into the library. Um, so Gallatin knelt and brushed away debris as he searched the floor. There's an A on there. Which one? Rayo, I think. Rayo then furled his brow. The meaning of A on Rayo, his name, it meant spirit or spiritual energy. However, the A on door book that he had been reading mentioned it infrequently and had never explained what magical effect the aeon was meant to produce oh whoa so so 
Rayodin goes by spirit because that's like what his core name means. And then there's this door that opens into the library that remains untouched. They believe it's a holy place. And the only one of the only times that this Aeon is mentioned is like in this door. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is Rayodin meant to be a priest? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. But that is interesting. So the Aeon's meaning isn't known and Rayodin's meaning isn't known either. Mm. Or like its purpose isn't known. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then they're kind of like, well, did Elantrians have religion? And Galadin's like, I have no idea. He's like, but the Elantrians kept secrets. Right. And again, I think I talked about this before where it's like the Elantrians misjudged the people because they weren't willing to share any of their secrets. Now, now you have these fallen Elantrians who they can't solve this puzzle Mm -hmm. because they didn't trust their secrets with anyone. They thought they were better or they thought, you know, these people can't handle it or whatever they thought about the rest of the town that they took care of. Right. And then it comes back to them because now they've fallen and no one can fix it. And no one can help them. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the Rayodin or Rao thing is like the purpose of it is that you understand the spirit of Elantris that you can kind of make the magic work type of thing. Mm. And there's only a few like special select people who are able to do that. And Rayodin mm. is one of them. And he's going to make it happen again. Um, I don't know why they would have kept it secret. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Any more thoughts here? Okay. Um, I had one thought at the very end, because we were talking about this whole water thing. It's kind of like um, like baptism or like portal to the next life type of thing. Um, but I think it's interesting that the water made him dissolve. And we saw a few chapters ago that fire makes them dissolve. Like they just burn up oh yeah i don't know are there two portals to the next life like fire and water it doesn't seem like that kind of seems like baptism in hell kind of thing i don't think that's exactly what it is because that doesn't really Mm -hmm. make sense um so i don't know i just thought that was interesting we don't know for certain that if you burn them up anything happens to them we just know that they stop complaining wait i thought you like dissolved when they get burned up. Because is that what Harathan and Diloph did? I think they turn into like ash or something. Oh, they don't. Dissolve. But we're not, we can't be confirmed that they have the same outcome. Oh, so they don't dissolve. There's still something physical there. I believe so. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh my. Like, goodness. I don't think they get burned and then they turn into like magical light. Like you imagine with the, the pool. Yeah. But that oh. is, this does seem to be the only two ways to get rid of them. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was interesting because it's kind of like two like ways of purifying like water and fire type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just had a thought. Maybe this is what you're getting at is he's dissolving into the water and now the water is magical. And now you water the corn with the magical water and now the corn is magical. Oh. <gasps> that wasn't what I was referencing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. okay ready for chapter 26 oh my god i have to sneeze i'm gonna pause my i'm gonna mute my thing wait now i don't have to sneeze okay you made me do the yawn with your thought of you just sneeze (laughs) 
Oh my God. Okay. All right. All right. Um, my next two chapters, I have very few notes. So I think we're going to finish them within the hour. <laughs> okay. Within the hour. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Chapter 27 is really short. Chapter 26 is not too long. Ready for a summary? Sure. 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 Okay. So chapter 26, we're back to Serene. Um, Serene is back at fencing practice. Um, and we find out that Aiden is still on the throne. It looks like he has enough money to remain there. So Parathen and Telvery's plan doesn't seem to have worked. Um, Lugal keeps talking about his sour melons and he somehow has them and everyone wants to know how. Um, mm -hmm. Serene likes Ryodin and is trying to figure him out. But Deora thinks that Serene is singing about Shudin and Deora pulls her aside and is like, it's not the girl, not the guy for you, sweetie. And she's like, that's not what I was thinking about. But that all happens in this chapter. Yes. And, okay, this was not mentioned in your summary, but is important plot point. The one guy in the gentleman's circle, Adon, Eden, Adon, um, he was the guy that had the plot of land that was next to the chasm and he couldn't grow anything and he was going to go bankrupt on tax day. Oh, right. He ran away. Oh, I forgot because about that. Yeah, so he, there were some rains and they caused some mudslides and then he lost even more and he's just like, I'm getting out of town. Oh. So now there is an opening for a new nobleman. Oh, I totally missed all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, very interesting. Yep. Okay, and as I'm trying to read through this right now, it sounds like they don't really like Eden and so they're not, they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah, they're kind of like, he was a loser anyway. He's a loser. He's going to join Harathan and Diloph and make a name for himself there. Yeah, they're kind of like, he's not loyal. Which I'm like, if you guys thought this from the beginning, why didn't you get rid of him? Yeah. You're starting like a coup. Yeah. <laughs> that should be like, like requirement number one. Yeah, that like you have a good opinion of them. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. That made me to be like, these guys, they need a lot of help. Because like... <laughs> They're just letting anyone in this circle. Serene comes in. She's been there for two days. And they're like, you're the leader now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. They are kind of a mess. They need some help. Yeah. Okay. So um, we are at, we're, we're here. Um, Serene talks to Ash about um, Ray Odin. And she's like, I don't know. I think he's actually the leader. I think there's more to him. And Ash was like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? And I'm like, Ash, you're a terrible little secret spy over there. Like, how have you not picked up on this? <laughs> yeah, so she sends him back. That was chapter something in the past. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, so anyway, she's interested in Ray Odin. So that's cool. Um, no, so not to be like, you're wrong, but you're wrong. Oh, am I? Um, so she, <laughs> she sent Ash to go do recon again. The first time she went in, because she's like, I think something's going on with this spirit guy. And Ash is like, I did really good recon. It's fine. And she's like, do it again. <laughs> and then he comes in and he's like, okay, I messed up. And he said, um, so this was the, the line. Okay. You were correct, my lady. My information about the gang leaders was outdated. They call this newcomer Lord Spirit. His rise was a recent event. Most hadn't heard of him more than a month ago. Though one man claims Lord Spirit and Shayor are the same person. Reports agree that he defeated both Karada and Andon. Apparently, the second confrontation involved an enormous battle of sorts. 
which that made me LOL because Spirit literally walked in and was like, you're not Andon, you're Ton, you're a sculptor. And he's like, I am. And that was the end of it, right? (laughs) I know. Yeah, who are Ash's sources? I want to know. I know. And then part of me is like, maybe in Elantris, that is the big battle that you go in with like your broken little tools that are all rusted and half done and then you pretend to fight and then you're like you're a sculptor (laughs) you're right that makes sense it makes me feel like there's like the town gossip or something who like (laughs) fabricates all the stories and (laughs) ash finds her and she's like you won't believe what happened this week (laughs) yeah ash we're definitely seeing some flaws in ash he does not seem to be as good at recon as he has pretended he's like i don't know how i got this job i made up my resume <laughs> mm-hmm. okay so yeah so yeah i was wrong so ash came back and found all that out and then serene is like oh my gosh who am i meeting with everyone's lying to me mm-hmm. and then we get another line about serene having to walk home because she was going to go with shoot in but Terena had beat him to her and they went home together in their carriage probably flirting and having a good time totally forgetting about the princess (laughs) right yeah so yeah not a great not a great day for serene all around right and then she's like she's actually beginning to trust spirit and that worried her because i think she likes to have her guard up a lot right and so Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, Angie now has like proof that something's going on that he's not telling her about. So mm-hmm. she kind of has reason to be a little guarded. Yeah. But we can also see that Rayodin, like he feels like Serene's just totally pushing him off and it's not working. But we can see that he is kind of melting her little ice heart a little bit. <laughs> so sweet. Okay, cool. So that happens. And then um and then the next thing is the fencing class right Mm -hmm. the other line i wanted to point out just because the theme is beauty um so she's talking about rayodin like all antrians he was more corpse than man his skin wan wan and dry his scalp and eyebrows completely hairless her revulsion was decreasing every day however as she grew accustomed to the city she wasn't to the point where she could see beauty in the Elantrians, but at least she wasn't physically sickened by them any longer. Oh, that is a good line. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see it's kind of like Beauty and the Beast type of thing where, you know, the little princess is kind of like, oh, he's not a big monster. He's a sweetie pie. Yes, I had forgotten that beauty and handsomeness was the was the theme here. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thanks for bringing that one back out. Okay, yeah, and she's getting more used to the Elantrians, so... Yep. So now we're at the fencing. All right. So we're at the fencing. She's talking with the boys club. Luke was talking about sour melons. And they she finds out about Eden, who has now run away. Mm-hmm. Maybe to join Harath and who knows. Mm-hmm. Um and and we find that Iadon Iadin is still on the throne. Um Iadin. Iadin. Yeah. Iadin is still on the throne. Um, mm-hmm. And then Serene talks to the girls. This was the first line I had pulled out. Do you have any lines before Serene was talking to the girls? Yeah, I had a really annoying one. Oh, say it. 
So um, Shooted attending the meeting as usual, though he rarely participated. Thankfully, he also refrained from doing his Chai Sean exercises. The women moped over him enough as it was. And I was like, imagine him doing his like weird Tai Chi exercise with his rippling muscles. I was just like, oh my God, don't bring me there. Oh my gosh, Serena. I know. (laughs) That was the only thing I had. Yeah, yeah. So so Serene is also kind of annoying still, but a line comes up later where I'm like, oh, Serene. But before we get to the part where I felt bad, Serene um, is talking to the ladies and she she singles out um, Tarina, who is a Han's daughter. Shudin's, yeah, Han's daughter and Shudin's new girlfriend, yeah, basically. Yeah, new girlfriend. And she's like, Tarina, what did you do today? And Tarina's like, um, I went to a land trip with you. And Serene is like, indeed. And then she says, I invited every woman in this room several times, but only Tarena has had the courage to accompany me into Elantris. And oh God. I know. And she's like guilting all these ladies to come in with her to Elantris. And she's like putting Tarena on the spot. And uh, okay. this was like abuse 101. It was. It was. And then even in the. <laughs> description it says serene stopped her pacing to regard the uncomfortable woman none of them would look at her not even tarina who appeared to be feeling guilty by association and then i'm like yes gosh and then and then serene says i'm gonna come again tomorrow if you really want to prove yourself you'll come with me and then says that heads rose hesitantly eyes focusing on her they would come they were frightened near to death but they would come and then what's crazy is serene smiled <laughs> oh my god like, oh my you god. missed the most evilest part though which one the line before that serene's like pacing to the women i thought you women intended to prove your strength to show that you were good for more than making the occasional embroidered pillowcase oh my gosh how did i i was like that yeah i was like oh my god monster like oh serene god. is so mean to other women she is like none of this is good all of the yeah all of this is abusive <laughs> i know we don't like it okay and then and then the sad part kind of comes but honestly after rereading this i'm like serene you did this to yourself honestly because it says that the smile was only half general uh, genuine because she's standing before them like a general before his troops and she realized something it was happening again and what's happening is the same thing that happened in Tiad that she was respected but never accepted and that they mm-hmm. will listen to her, but they're not going to like her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Well, and I think Serene might be reading it wrong. So she she says in her inner monologue, when Serene entered a room, it fell silent. When she left, conversations began again. And this is the part where I'm like, what? It was as if they thought her above their simple discussions. By serving as a model for what they wanted to become, Serene had alienated herself from them. And it's like, do they want to become like you? Yeah. We don't even know. She hasn't even asked. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. She finds out so much except what people actually want. Like what yeah. the kids actually want, what the women actually want. She just, yeah, kind of comes in and imposes things. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Okay. And I thought that was interesting because I feel like it, maybe that's why Sanderson is writing Serene as such a terrible person because now we also feel the same way of like, I I respect what Serene is doing and I think she's really clever, but I don't like her. I know. I know. 
You think that's it? I I think that's part of it. Um, I think, you know, Serene's kind of a victim of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yeah. She believes people won't respect her or won't, don't want to be friends with her. So then she is cold and has all of these walls up. So then they, they can't be friends with her because she's never real with them. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's like she's always playing games. Yeah, she's always playing games with people. She's always, especially with the women, she's always thinking down on them. It's like, I think the reason why they don't want to be your friend is because you're rude. And I think they do admire Serene in certain aspects. And I think they do want to pick up some of her traits, but I don't think they want to become her. Yeah. And I think that's just a total misread on her part. Yeah, you know... Yeah, I think you're right. I, especially the part where it's she says it's as if they thought her above their simple discussions. It's like they just don't want you to be a part of the discussion. Yeah, I'm sorry. they don't want your snooty, your snooty Opinion. personality coming in and dunking on them because they just want to have fun. Right. <laughs> but I do think Serene is right in saying that Serene had alienated herself from them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I think where she's wrong is that she thinks it's because she thinks it's like an inevitable thing. Right. She's she's because, gonna come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're like, oh well, I'm I'm the example. So that's why. And it's like, no, it's because you're not nice. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Read the room, lady. Yeah, exactly. And then it's the same thing with Shudan and Ian Dell, the guys. She's like, they respected her but they would never think about her romantically. Um, and then Shudin was reacting favor- favorably to Terena's advances, but he had never once looked at Serene. And it's like, same thing, because you're not being genuine and you're plotting all the time. People don't like that. Yeah. I don't, and then the line after says, um, respect, admiration, and the willingness to serve. Like that's what people kind of felt towards her. Um, mm-hmm. It was as if he didn't even notice she was a woman. And I was like, oh, poor Serene. But also like, yeah, you kind of did bring this on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think though that if you're in this situation where like, you know, there's such a difference between like men and women and like to get into the boys club, you kind of have to like prove yourself in some way. Is it inevitable that people, that the guys will be like, ah, one of the guys um, I, I think so. I think there is a certain level of inevitability, especially like with the men in this case. At the same time, Serene seems to have zero introspection, zero ability to assess her past behaviors and past relationships and reflect on it and learn from it. She seems to think things just happen and this is just her lot in life and she's just kind of going with the current. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's like, you've been going around this circle so many times and you keep doing the same thing. And that's why you keep ending up in the same place. It's not because it's impossible. It's because you are unable to change your patterns. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. So maybe there is some introspection here because she's realizing that this is just like Teod. And to be yeah. fair, this has only been in two places. So this happened once in Teod and now it's happening again. And she's realizing it's happening again. And maybe it won't be too late to change course. Like maybe something can happen. I would say, yeah, it's two countries. But if you 
So that's thinking very macro, but if you go very micro, it's like, this happened with all of her women's circles. This happened with all of her relationships. This happened with all of her political allies. Like every, every social setting where she's interacting with people, it always ends up the same way. Yeah. And maybe she thought, oh, it's just because I'm in Tion, you know, blaming everyone else. Yeah. And now she goes somewhere else and she's like, it's happening again. So maybe that is like her introspection where she's kind of like, okay, maybe I'm the common denominator. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Because I mean, that would kind of go with the other character's introspection here, you know, like mm-hmm. her his journal. Yeah. Odin had his thing. So, so I don't know, maybe, maybe there's still hope for Serene, but this chapter was not any more convincing to me that I should like Serene. Mm-mm. Nope. So like anytime she's around women, she is turns to trash. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a huge fan. So, all right. But anyway, so what else happens here? Um, We get another inkling about the argument that Serene's uncle and father had. Oh yeah. And her uncle Ken thinks even Tio, her father, is a pathetic brother. Mm. He said he might be a great king, but he's a pathetic brother. And then Serene says, what happened? And he said, we had a disagreement. She says, what kind? And then he's like, no, I'm not going to tell you. (sighs) So we still don't know what happened there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They haven't really given us any clues as to what happened, so. Yeah. So, but it's interesting. Because um, I, I like Keen, so I feel like he's a good person. From what I know about Aventi, I also feel like he seems to be a good person with good intentions. So mm-hmm. it's not like I have a feeling like, oh, yeah, that guy kind of has an evil streak in him. You know? I yeah. feel like we're both good people, so. I'm sure, I guess it was maybe like just a disagreement on how to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you can have people that have good points and good intentions and different ways to tackle it. And neither one is necessarily wrong, but they just are complete opposites. So sometimes that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's interesting. But yeah, so that happens Mm -hmm. in this chapter. So then Serene, she's practicing her fencing and I'm imagining she's just like doing her exercise and just having some time to reflect and she just keeps thinking about um spirit and she says however she was increasingly interested in spirit it was rare to find someone politically skilled enough to hold her attention but in our lawn she had found two in a way spirit was even more fascinating than the jorn um harathan and she were very frank about their en- enmity spirit somehow manipulated and foiled her while at the same time acting like an old friend most alarmingly, she almost didn't care. Whoa, I like that that quote. Yeah. Yeah, so for Serene, she's kind of gotten to a point where she's like, I'm only interested in people that can challenge me. Um, And so instead of being outraged when she felt his demands with useless items, he had seemed impressed he hadn't even he had even complimented her on her frugality, noting that the cloth she sent must have been bought at a discount. In all things, he remained friendly and different to her sarcasm, and she felt herself responding. There in the center of the cursed city was finally a person who seemed willing to accept her. She wished she could laugh at his clever remarks, agree with his observations, and share his concerns. 
The more confrontational she tried to be, the less threatened he, he was. He actually seemed to appreciate her defiance. Yeah. So now you're kind of like, okay, finally Serene's finding someone who is appreciating her where she's at and she doesn't have to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Finding someone who's kind of like her equal on, because she is really smart and really clever and brilliant, all the things. And yeah, so she's mm-hmm. finding someone who she can kind of like work with on that level. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting. Maybe we had already talked about this last time. I forget. But we had talked about how Harathan goes to the wall of Elantris to, because he like doesn't feel like he fits in in the city. And so he goes there because he feels at peace. Oh, with- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're seeing that there in the center of the cursed city was finally a person who seemed willing to accept her. So now Serene mm-hmm. also feels welcome at Elantris. Um, yes. And Rayodin, I don't know. He is accepted at Elantris, but he still doesn't feel, hasn't found his purpose yet. You know? So I just, yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. yeah because he felt very accepted in the city it sounded yeah. like yeah that's true he's accepted everywhere he's like what's the the superlative like best personality or whatever oh like most well liked or something yeah yeah most Everyone's... popular or something yeah yeah yeah. yeah so the chapter wraps up with serene's aunt being like i'm sorry shootin doesn't return your affections but he likes that other thin, spindly, beautiful girl, Terena. And Serene's like, what? And then, um, what did she say? Serene likes Shudan, of course, but not romantically. He was too quiet and like Ian Dow, a bit too rigid for her taste. Serene was well aware that she would need a man who would know when to give her space, but who also wouldn't let her bend him in any way she chose. And then with a shrug, Serene puts Deor's misguided assumptions from her mind, and then she contemplates how she's going to um, put a wrench in Spirit's latest and most detailed list of demands. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so Deora misreads what, what Serene is thinking about. And Serene's mm-hmm. like, definitely not what I was thinking about. Um, and then she just goes on thinking about Raven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's interesting I wonder if that'll come up again or if it's just kind of like a one-off kind of like humorous interaction I um, think this is just the building the building stones of like the romantic connection that Serene and Rayo didn't have and kind of showing the reader that because at the beginning Serene was like this is all political she's like we had no connection then we find out from Rayo and they had been writing letters for a year and they were talking a lot on the seance now they're starting to interact without Serene knowing, but and like she's just seeing like Rayodin for who he is, like the person. She's not seeing any of the political things tied into it. She's not feeling like he's forced to like her, which I think was always her fear is that that's the only reason why he accepted. Yeah you know interesting that's interesting because Rayodin had that thought in the last chapter of like I wonder what it would be like if we didn't have all these political connections but it's also mm-hmm. kind of interesting because yeah he doesn't have to like Serene right now but mm-hmm. also I wonder if she would when she finds out who he really is if she would mm-hmm. still feel a little like blindsided or like he pulled one over on her because it's like mm-hmm. oh well he still kind of liked me because of that yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah. So 
she's definitely definitely has a crush yes okay so this last are you good for this chapter yeah okay so this last chapter is only two pages so let's just power through it maybe no summary even needed yeah I actually didn't write a summary here so perfect yeah okay good um so basically Diloff has Prathen completely cornered um and then let's see Diloff all but ruled the chapel. He didn't even inform Harathan of half the meetings and sermons he organized. Every single person that he asked to take the position said no. And Diloff's like, oh my God. He's like, I'm really losing my grip here. Mm-hmm. And even Serene has spoiled his plot with Tellery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, so- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. So this whole chapter is just Harathan's thoughts. Um, and it mm-hmm. says that, he's thinking about like how everything is failing and it it's kind of like a I don't know maybe like an not an anxiety attack I don't know but it says that it feels like the walls are falling in on him the room Mm -hmm. is shrinking nothing's helping him and then he just like falls down and he begins to pray like he hasn't prayed in years Mm -hmm. Um, just like desperately searching for something and he ends up praying for hours Mm -hmm. Um, yes So he hits rock bottom, basically, is what we're finding. Yes. Um, did you have any other thoughts with his prayers or other things? Um, I think I thought this part was good. For the first time in years, he found himself pleading for aid. Rathen reached out to that God that he had served so long, he had almost forgotten him. The God that he had... Ch- shuffled away in a flurry of logic and understanding, a God he had rendered impotent in his life, though he sought to further his influence. For once, Rathen felt unfit to perform on his own. For once, he admitted a need for help. And so I think, um, again, I think this is very common for a lot of people who are religious, or even if you're not religious, but when you hit that rock bottom and you feel like there's just no way out, the walls are closing in, I think a lot of people do turn to religion and if they had religion in the past, but maybe they haven't been faithful recently, they kind of fall back to that because they feel like they really tried everything on their own. So just, I thought that was a very um, relatable segment. Yeah, I do like that too. I'm glad you pointed that out because I hadn't written that down, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh no, I had a thought oh and i also think it's interesting because harathan seems to be the only person other than omen maybe maybe dila mm-hmm. that seems to like actually believe his faith and really take it very seriously and genuinely yeah Even though he like you know has all these struggles and he's like oh my gosh like what am i doing like he fervently is like praying and like asking for help and it seems like everyone else is just using it as a political thing mm-hmm. and so I just thought that was interesting. I don't really know what to do with it. It is an interesting thought where it's like, it sometimes by questioning, it shows that you care. Mm-hmm. Like, like someone who's just like, oh yeah, like whatever, like I go to church and like, like Serene's like that. She's like, oh, well, this is what my religion says. My religion says that we should do X, Y, and Z. So that's what we're going to do. And she never, she never has an internal monologue on it. She really doesn't seem to care. Yeah. All she seems to care about is that she knows that she does not like the Jorn and she doesn't like the the Dorethi people. Right. 
So maybe there's something there where it's like, sometimes by questioning that shows that you care. Right. Yeah. Or even that you're just like taking it seriously. Yeah. It's an actual thing that's kind of guiding his life mm-hmm. rather than just like a token that he has that he can use. Mm-hmm. As exactly. So any other yeah. thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a really good, it's a really good section. So nothing okay. else really stuck out, but then the ending. The ending. Yes. Do you want to take it away? Sure. Okay. So he's praying fervently and then he gets a knock on the door and who is it? Other than the Amazon delivery guy, who's like, oh. <laughs> like, sorry, it's like special delivery, <laughs> poison. He's like, I've been running for weeks. Yes, <laughs> this as fast as I could, and yeah, it's the poison he had um, ordered from Fortune, the guy he had talked to on the Facetime Seon guy, mm-hmm. and we uh, learn um, that it comes in, and there's a note with it that says, "My Lord, her happen." Here is the poison you requested. All of the effects are exactly as you specified. The liquid must be ingested and the victim won't display any symptoms until about eight hours afterward. Um, from the apothecary, blah, blah, blah. And so because we had left off with Harath and talking to the guy and we knew he was ordering some sort of like potion, something, something, but we didn't know what it does, what it did. And we still mm-hmm. don't really know what it does other than that it will take eight hours and it's he refers to it as poison which makes me think mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but the biggest twist of this all because i thought oh never mind this wasn't my thought harathan picks up the vial mm-hmm. and he vaguely remembered assuming he would administer the poison to deal off but that mm-hmm. didn't work anymore he needed something more spectacular so he looks at it and then he takes off the stopper he drank it down in one single gulp <gasps> yes whoa dun, dun, dun. what's gonna happen i don't think he's gonna die no he can't die we have we need his perspective unless d picks up the pen and starts writing the third perspective <laughs> no well <gasps> what if okay this whole chapter is called so wait, wait wait remember that episode of spongebob <laughs> When yes. Squidward turns into handsome Squidward, what if this is a spectacular thing? Harathan. And Harathan becomes so beautiful that then he converts everyone. Exactly. Like the little princess girl in Elantris with the wig. And they're just like, we don't know why, but now you're the leader. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think we can infer that this won't kill him because it says the effects are exactly as specified. And the victim won't display any symptoms until about eight hours afterwards. I mean, it could be done I mean, in a very specific way. I guess that's true. I guess it could be like that. Um, but spoiler, Harathan doesn't die. We find yeah. out like in the next page. Yeah. But he doesn't die. Okay, so that is part two. We did it. We have a long way to go. I I think the the rest of the book's going to start going a lot faster. I yeah. say that every time. That's true. We haven't <laughs> seen it for a while. So, <laughs> I, oh my gosh, how many parts are there? Are there four parts? No. Wait, wait. We just finished part one. Now we're on yeah. part two. Yeah. I know. We were saying we were on part three. It felt like we were on part three, but I think there's only two parts. 
Oh my gosh. Wait, no, there there are three parts because I just flipped ahead and saw part three. I think there's only three parts. Oh. And we just finished part one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, part two is the call. But we're on page Call of Elantris, yeah. But we're on page 373 and there's only 600 pages. <laughs> you're not even two-thirds of the way through oh my i God. thought we were i halfway. thought we were yeah I we're, we were, were at least that. halfway through yeah okay we're over halfway. well i think i sold you this book saying that it was 500 pages so i mean it's not like it would make that much of a difference but at this rate i mean 100 pages <laughs> would be like four new episodes <laughs> oh my god all right well the next book we pick will be shorter probably <laughs> I mean maybe not maybe not I mean this could be our our stick is like part audiobook part commentary like we're just going through it in so much detail like you get the whole thing yeah <laughs> I like podcasts like that but I know some people are probably like no so I don't know <laughs> no I, I like that too this is one that's meant to be put on in the background so I hope you're yeah. doing cleaning. Whoever is listening. Yes. Yes. I hope like we're able to help you wash that next dish. Mm-hmm. You're able to, you know, bag that next thing of leaves. You're enjoying us at the office. Enjoying us at the office. Yeah. yeah. That's the hope. This is, this is good stuff. <gasps> so, all right. Yes. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.